Okay. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Complete Sports Media's podcast. I'm your host, Darren Campbell. And of course, joining me on a Monday to do a weekend wrap up of sports, Jason Cameron. Uh, I only saw you like 48 hours ago, or maybe a little less than that. So uh, nice to see you so soon again. Uh, we had a great time on Saturday night getting together, watching some combat sports. Uh, it was a blast. Thanks for having me over. Oh, thanks for coming over. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Uh, I'm glad that we were able to figure something out so we could watch everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was good. Yeah, well, my uh, I was most excited this whole weekend, looking forward to the Terrence Crawford-Errol Spence fight. Seemed like um, that was the biggest sporting story of the weekend. Uh, it had really uh, got some legs Uh probably about five years in the making and uh, many of us uh, that were boxing fans uh, sort of doubted uh, that maybe it ever could come together just because of the rival promoters and the issues boxing has had to put top guys against each other in their prime. So uh, when it was finally put together and uh, it was happening this weekend, I was super excited. Uh, that was the thing I was most looking forward to on the weekend, and it's glad I'm, I'm glad it finally happened and we got to see it live. Yeah, I'm glad it did happen too. I'm glad uh, the boxers like apparently there's a story that literally Terrence Bug Crawford did it himself. Yeah. He phoned Spence and made the deal. So yeah. I'm glad I'm glad it happened. But how the boxing match turned out, I was surprised. I, I didn't think it was going to go that way. I think the world was surprised. Um, you know, as a boxer, you have to have uh, supreme confidence. And I'm sure Crawford, uh, you know, had that thought in his mind that I'm going to go in and destroy this guy. But I don't think uh, the other 7 billion people on the planet <laughs> were thinking the same thing because Errol Spence is one of the greatest fighters uh, of this generation and, uh, you know, one of the best of all time. Coming in 28-0 with 22 knockouts and a really decorated career himself. And uh, you just thought this fight was going to be a major hard-fought battle for 12 rounds. And, uh, you know, finally we were going to see who gets a decision. We didn't uh, suspect it would be so one-sided. Uh, an absolute masterclass, incredible performance by Terrence Crawford. Just uh, really dismantled him with a counter-striking performance that I don't remember seeing in a long, long, long time. Counters, timing, um, it was just all on point for Crawford that night. All of it. Yeah. Uh, and the fact, the mere fact that Crawford was able to knock him down not once, not twice, three times. Yeah. And that's the first time uh, 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 Errol Spence has ever been knocked down yeah. in a fight. Yeah. And he got knocked down three times. Yeah, no, it was shocking and it's incredible display. Uh, I thought, you know, I thought Crawford was going to win this fight, but um, likely going to a decision and, and winning a majority decision or, you know, a unanimous decision, but, uh, you know, winning way more rounds than Spence. Uh, I suspected that, um, you know, both guys just had too much skill and uh ability that none of them were going to get caught but um we, you know it was in the second round we saw a knockdown it was kind of a bit of a flash knockdown but it seemed to 
really just immediately turned the tide in favor of Crawford. And then we just saw him win. Well, that second round, he gets a 10-8 round, according to the scorecards. And then he just won every round after. Two knockdowns in the seventh round. And, you know, we were just jumping up. Holy cow, this is actually happening. Wow. And, uh, you know, finally finishes it in the ninth. But, um, you know, it wasn't close. After that first knockdown happened, this fight wasn't close. It was Crawford's, and he was just dominating in every facet of the game. Dominated in every facet of the game. He was actually the stronger boxer, yeah. stronger fighter, which was kind of surprising since he's coming up to that division. Yeah. And Errol Spence has always been there. Um, and and he continually kept hurting Spence. Mm-hmm. That was the other thing that was shocking. He kept hurting him, and Spence couldn't hurt him at all. Sure, yeah. Uh, we always talk about, um, you know, weight classes and weight divisions and the, uh, you know, tough uh, weight cuts that guys have to go in the combat game. Um, I heard that Spence was uh, suffering a lot. He said he really couldn't believe how bad it was getting this weight cut done. Um, do you think, uh, you know, that was a legitimate excuse for this performance that uh, it just depleted him too badly that he just wasn't there that night? Could be part and parcel. Uh, I think the, I think more credit needs to go to Crawford. I think, I think he just showed that there's levels to this game and he is at the highest tier of his uh, of his boxing career right now. Like, he, he, he was just unbelievable. Now, Spence should have known better about like, how to cut weight properly. For a fight of this magnitude, you would have thought that he would have kind of taken all aspects of his training pretty seriously, including the weight cutting. Unfortunately, it didn't work out well for him. Um, but I don't know. Me personally, from what I saw in that boxing match, even if it – his weight cut did go well. I think this is still the turnout. This yeah. is still the turnout. Yeah. It just seemed clear cut, a clear cut, decisive victor. Um, okay. And saying that, uh, they have, they both had a rematch clause. Uh, Spence asked for a rematch uh, right after the fight. I'm not sure if he still feels that way, talking to his team, watching the fight again uh, over the next few days. But, um, he said, I'd like to fight again at 154 in December. Um, do you see that fight happening? Is that uh, where we're going to go with uh, with these two guys? Uh, do, do you see it realistically happening? Yeah. Yes. I, I guess I would say yes, because it is in the contract. So I, I like like I don't I don't know how it's structured, but I think Crawford probably doesn't have a choice like it's either like he has to fight him before he can fight somebody else right yeah so i I think that's the way it would have to i think that's the way it goes so i'm just not sure if this is going to go any better for errol spence like i'm like you know like i i have some serious doubts like i i'm actually looking at that that second fight if they do when it does get made or if it does get made crawford might finish him off quicker yeah, that that's what I'm looking at. I think Crawford might finish him off quicker this time. Second so, time. So, if you were his management team, you were his cornerman, you'd advise him against doing this fight uh, as a rematch next. 
you would advise him to seek some other opponents first and then maybe maybe challenge him in a year or two? Yeah, that's what I would do. Like, because, yeah, I would definitely have some fights in between before I challenge him again. Because uh, and just have some more time to develop a game plan because whatever game plan that he had going into this fight clearly didn't work, yeah. didn't work, man. Yeah. So you got to start that off from from scratch again and figure some stuff out. But like I think he needs more time than any. As I I don't think him jumping into another rematch does him any good. Yeah. Any. Um. Immediately. Upon victory, Crawford jumped onto the ropes and started pointing at Jamel Charlo and saying, you're next, you're next. We saw Charlo being interviewed, uh, you know, by uh, by some of the media there. Um, do you see that as a as a really potential if this isn't a rematch? Do you see that? Uh, I, Crawford did say at 154 as well, he would love to uh, bring bring Charlo in and, and show him the same thing he did to Spence. I'd be more excited for that because we haven't seen that fight. That that would be something that'd be super exciting. And then plus on top of that, like once again, he's going up and weight Crawford. Uh, eventually, there's going to come a time where he can't keep doing that. But uh, yeah, I would love that fight. I'd love to see that fight because I think that's something that the fans would want to see because we've kind of already seen how this one goes, right? Right. Uh, do you know what these guys uh, supposedly made for this fight? I, you know what? I have no idea. Can I guess? Yeah, please. Uh, $25 million a piece, both guys. Pretty good guess. Uh, they they think it's around $29, $29 million each. $29 million plus each. Um, I got some numbers here. Um, I guess they say there was about a, a um, 1 million pay-per-view buys. Uh, at eighty-five dollars uh, a piece to to buy the pay-per-view, you got eight eighty-five million dollars uh, coming into the pool. Ten uh, percent immediately goes to Showtime, and then ninety uh, percent is spread out between the promoters and everybody else involved. Um, they think it'll be about thirty-eight and a half million each, split between the two guys. They were guaranteed $10 million each before pay-per-view money even came into the equation. Uh, so they're getting about uh, that $10 million guaranteed plus about $19 plus million uh, each for the, the split of the pay-per-view. So um, to me, when I hear those numbers, I'm like, okay, well, this, this fight's happening. This rematch yeah. is happening. If that many people made that much money, um, you know, money talks these days, and I don't think Jamel Charlo moves the needle as much as, um, you know, Errol Spence. I agree with you on that too. I I would definitely agree with you on that. Like he, I, Charlo's a good boxer, he's a champion, but I don't think he moves in the needle like Errol Spence. And yeah, and if they can do second time around, get that many pay per view buys again, and get people to buy in, man, yeah, money talks. That will happen. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's just the reality of life these days. We uh, have seen money, you know, um, you know, come in to, into sports, into boxing, and uh, you know, usually uh, will change minds of of many others. And 
And, uh, you know, when you're talking about $85 million pay-per-view plus, you know, the gate, they had a huge gate in Vegas, uh, all the sponsorship money, um, you know, that's a lot of money. And uh, a lot of people are going to want a piece of that pie. So I, I, I feel like with the rematch clause, both in the contracts, with that kind of money that was generated, um, you know, there's a good chance that, um, you know, people can be convinced to a game. Errol Spence learned from this. Errol Spence is going to have a, you know, better chance uh, a second time against him. Um, you know, I don't know, but it just, to me, it, it seems like it's got rematch written all over it. It does, doesn't it? It does. And especially if they have buy-in like they did this time and people are interested and they want to see it again. It, it's funny, though. $85 for a pay-per-view, man. Woo! That is getting pricey. That is getting pricey. So with the, just with the cost alone, like you think to yourself, like, ah, do I really want to see it again? Right? But at the same time, he could be talked into it. Easy. Yeah. Easy enough. Like, especially if you see his training, he's like, oh, Errol Spence looks great. And on top of that, if this if the second time around it's going to be at a higher weight, so then he's definitely not going to be uh, diminished uh, through weight cuts and stuff. So, yeah. Um, is there any question now that Terrence Crawford is the pound-for-pound pound best boxer on the planet? No question in my mind. Like, like, just like, look what he did. He blew him out. He blew him out and knocked him out, right? Like, so, yeah, because, uh, all right, so who would be right up there? Definitely, I think Crawford is, is my one. Yeah. Then you could argue maybe Tyson Fury. At one point in time, Lomachenko was in there, but I think he's lost too many times. But, yeah, but I, I think Crawford is it right there. Yeah, well, there was a fight um, over in Asia this week. I think it was a Wednesday card uh, with the time change, maybe Tuesday night late there, Wednesday morning here kind of thing. And it was uh, Stephen Fulton against Navia Inouye. And uh, when Inouye just blew Fulton's doors off, everybody for about three days said, oh, he's the pound for pound king, you know, best in the world. Uh, he held that crown for a very short time, though, uh, when we saw this absolute dismantling of Spence, who's, you know, in that pound-for-pound pound class. If he wins this fight, he's probably considered a pound-for-pound pound best. So, uh, you yeah. know, pretty crazy that we saw, you know, three of the best in the pound-for-pound pound conversation fight all in the same week. Yeah, it, it is funny how that happened, how that came to be. But I would right now definitely put Crawford ahead of Inouye because of just who Crawford just beat. Yeah. That's why. Um, first guy to ever hold the belt in um, the four belts in two different weight classes. Uh, super impressive performance there. We, uh, you and I were like, oh, wow, okay. And nice to see the graphic of all the uh, former champions that had 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 that before. Um, so does this put him in the conversation as one of the greatest of all time? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I would say so. 
Because right now, I believe um, Crawford is 39 and 0, right? 40 now, 40. 40 and 0. Yeah. He's 10 fights away from matching Floyd. Yeah. That's amazing in and of itself. And if he can match Floyd, like, like that's who he's chasing down right now. So if he can match and then exceed Floyd Mayweather with an undefeated, undefeated streak, he by far and away is one of your greatest boxers of all time. Yeah. So uh, I'll list. Uh, I'll read off the list of undisputed male champions in the four belt era. Uh, everybody's from two set 2017 to 2023, except for Bernard Hopkins, who did it at middleweight in 2004. Jermaine Taylor replaced him at middleweight in 2005, and then Terence Crawford 2017 at super lightweight. Uh, first guy in the sort of this era, and then Usyk at cruiserweight 2018, Josh Taylor, super lightweight 2021, Canelo did it also at in 2021, super middleweight, Jamel Charlo, who we mentioned already earlier, uh, is that four belt champion in the super welterweight division, and Devin Haney, Enya Inoue, that I mentioned uh, earlier, and then Crawford now, first guy in 2023. Welterweight, uh, first guy to ever do it at, in two weight classes. Um, I start thinking about now, can he attack uh, a third or a fourth? Um, you know, there have been guys that have uh, belts in four weight classes. I think Floyd had five, I believe, five in his career. Um, do you see the possibility of him ever facing someone who's just been incredible in this generation, like Canelo Alvarez. Could you see a super fight like that ever uh, come together? Canelo Alvarez is he fights in a higher weight division, though, right? Like he's yeah. quite a bit bigger than yeah. Crawford, I believe. Sure. Ah, that that'd be a tough one, man. Because I, I I don't know because Canelo would have to come down significantly, yeah. and yeah, I I could see them trying to do it at a you know. Catch weight down, one guy coming up, sort of meeting uh, the middle. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that that's the only way it would have to happen. But the other thing, if, that I, if to... I'm a promoter, I'm trying to put that fight together. That it, that's that to me just blows the doors off of these pay per views. Oh. Uh, you know, we're looking at maybe two, three million pay per view buys, something like for something like that. If that could, if that could be a reality, and if they could make the weights work. That would probably be one of your highest grossing pay-per-views of all time. Yeah. It, it just simply would. Because of the magnitude, the names that you have attached that are fighting. Yo, yeah. Like, that's that'd be another one that you're coming over and we're watching. Indefinitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so a fantastic night. Uh, amazing to see, you know, such a virtuoso performance. I didn't think I would be disappointed with any outcome, any result, unless it was a DQ or, you know, something egregious uh, mistake by a ref or something. But uh, I thought, you know, I would be satisfied with any result. Uh, but I feel like I'm happier because I just saw somebody at their top level fight another guy at his top level and put in one of the greatest performances that I've ever witnessed in boxing. I've been watching boxing my entire life, and to just see somebody be able to rise their level to what he did, 
it, it's it's just magical and great and i'm glad it turned out so well yeah me too like when you you see these two guys and they're at the height of their powers but then you basically see one guy go no buddy i'm actually way better than you <laughs> and, and it's just and you're just shocked because you're just like okay wow because <laughs> he, he 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 took him apart yeah he took him apart man so yeah well the numbers blow my mind uh he landed 60% of his power shots he landed 50% of his shots total uh he his jabs were unbelievable but his power shots to land 60% of your power shots to land twice as many shots altogether over Errol Spence who's one of the greatest of all time just uh, just you know just numbers and just the visual everything about it just absolutely is mind-boggling oh yeah and, and especially the visual of once the, the the boxing match had ended you saw just how beat up Errol Spence was and he was beaten up and you're just it, it, that in itself was shocking to me because we've never seen him look like that ever if I'm uh a really good friend of Errol Spence, if I'm his family, if I'm, you know, in his inner circle, uh, you know, I legitimately say to him, it might be time for retirement. Uh, when he spoke at the post-fight press conference, his words were slurring. He had definitely received a way too brutal of a beating. And unfortunately, when you receive a brain injury and you don't let it fully recover, like, you know, he's talking about fighting in five months time. Uh, you know, you run the risk of damaging it so much further. Uh, the CTE is a real thing. And especially with boxing, you're, you know, he absorbed 190 punches that night. And, you know, to hear him talk, to see how brutally beat up he was, I don't really think that I would be happy if I was in his inner circle that if he's not taken a year off at least to try to recover that brain fully. Yeah. You know, I, I sometimes I, I, I feel conflicted and, and I'll say why. Um, so I, I realize that the, the guys that are in the ring, they have a job to do to try to get some information from the fighters, but after a fight like that, and you're trying to interview Spence, you already know he's he's concussed. Yeah. He's he's not quite there, you know. So sometimes I feel that that's really unfair to the to the losing boxer because like he, yeah, like his, his brain is not quite where it needs to be at this point in time after a brutal fight like that. So that's I why I don't. I think uh, you know most announcers, Joe Rogan. I've heard him say this many yeah. times. He yeah. doesn't like talking to the losing fighter he you know tries to refrain from it he uh and doesn't think that it's fair uh the guy should be on his way to the hospital making sure that you know he does a full check and uh, nothing serious happens unfortunately boxing you know i love it but it has led to people dying and you know you don't you can't tell a brain injury from just looking at a guy talking to a guy you have to go to the hospital and you know, do a full proper, proper medical check. So I didn't like it. And I'm not just talking about him talking in the ring. Uh, they had him in the post-fight press conference. And that's where I was very alarmed from yeah. the way he was talking, 
the way his words were coming out slurring and he wasn't uh you know very coherent and i heard him talking a lot leading up to this fight it was yeah. sounding like a very different person yeah exactly right and and when you hear that and then you see that you're just like oh man, this that's not good oh. and so yes if i was part of errol spence's inner circle i'd be like oh man no i think five months is too quick i think he's definitely has to take some time away from the ring like no light sparring, no practice, no anything. For he probably should take some time off for maybe two months, and then do his checks and everything in the hospital. But yeah, man, I I kind of agree with you on that one. I think five months is too quick. I think you should probably be taking like maybe eight to nine months off personally before Selfish. he fights him. Selfishly, I'd love to see him fight again. I don't want him to retire, and I don't like calling for people's retirement. Uh, you know, I think he's a brilliant fighter and he's very been very entertaining. He's been able to put on an, a masterful career. And, you know, you're not almost nobody is unbeatable, you know, yeah. in combat sports. So, you know, this shouldn't be him being super sad that he <clears throat> he lost. You know, he just lost to a, a superior guy at this moment in, in their life. He can probably beat him. At some point later on in two or three years, if he does the things right, uh, you never know. Crawford could take a step back because father time is undefeated. And, yep. you know, there could be a chance at redemption getting this. Uh, we saw redemption happen in the UFC that we're going to talk about in a minute. Mm -hmm. uh, Justin Gaethje five years ago loses to Dustin Poirier, turns it around this time. So, um, you know, I just really hate that combat sports that you know is entertaining for us could lead to guys diminished quality of life in their future you know this guy's already made millions and millions of dollars will have a phenomenal life if he just decides this is it moving forward i think most of us want him to fight a game but let's do it very safely let's let's get him on the shelf for a while let's make sure he's fully recovered before we see him again and just, you know, just for his quality of life and his friends and family getting to have, you know, Errol Spence Jr. at his best abilities. Yeah, exactly. Right. And then that's why you, you when you have your inner circle of people that those people aren't just yes people. Right. Those people will actually tell you what you need to hear, even if you don't want to hear it. Right. They'll tell you what you need to hear. So, yeah, he's. You're going to have to be careful with that because if there's one thing that you don't want at the end of your career is where your head is mush, you're, you talk punch drunk, and your quality of life is like severely limited. Don't want that. You want to be able to get old and enjoy your cash that, yeah. that you've earned and all that sort of stuff. You want to be able to enjoy the life. You and I uh, saw Ant Vander Holyfield at this fight. He attended it. Um, you hear him talk now. You can tell, you know, he's had too many blows to the head. It's affected his brain, and he doesn't sound like the Vander Holyfield that we, uh, you know, knew and loved um, for most of his career. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you you, you see it with some of the older fighters, right? Like, actually, what you, you really want to have is, like, somebody like uh, who was there that night, Tommy Hearns. Tommy Hearns can still fight, talk just fine. Yeah. Right? So that's that's it. That That's where you want to be. That's yeah. where you want to be. Yeah, totally. Um, 
Okay, uh, staying in the boxing game, I just want to announce uh, there was an announcement um, on Sunday that the uh, world champion Arthur Betterbiev, his title defense against Kalen Smith is now postponed. Um, Betterbiev has a bone infection in his jaw. Uh, he had to undergo surgery yesterday. Uh, supposedly it's went well and uh, he's in recovery that happened uh, in Montreal um, yesterday. He is the WBC, WBO and uh, IBF light heavyweight champion. Um, he resides in Montreal. He's the only world champion in boxing with a hundred percent knockout ratio, 19 and 0 with 19 knockouts. Uh, Kalen Smith is 29 and one with 21 KOs. And he was the WBC mandatory challenger coming in. Um, he uh, has won two in a row since his 2021 loss to Canelo. Uh, this fight was super exciting. It was supposed to go down in um, in Quebec City uh, at the Videotron Center on August 19th, but it has to be postponed because of um, better BF surgery. And uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, hopefully they can uh, put this together in the coming months uh, after he recovers from this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, weird thing to have happen, though. Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of scary. Like an infection in your bone in your jaw. Like, oh, that's. I wouldn't even know how the heck that happened. But glad to hear that he got the surgery done, and then hopefully once he fully recovers, hopefully we'll get to see this fight at some point in time in yeah. the future. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so. During that night, we're at your place and uh, we're trying to watch the uh, boxing and the UFC same time. Uh, the timing, I was thinking it's going to probably work. It's going to kind of come in between the maybe the co-main and the main. It was happening as the co-main was going on. Um, so, you know, we didn't get to see the co-main as much as we wanted <laughs> to with, you know, trying to keep both eyes on it. But. Um, let's start with the main event. Uh, it was a um, title fight, the BMF title. Uh, two guys coming in. They, as I mentioned a little earlier, they fought in 2018 with Dustin Poirier getting a knockout win uh, in the fourth round in that one. Uh, Poirier and Gaethje were both six and two. Uh, since that, uh, both losing to the same two guys coming in uh but i think most people were leaning towards dustin poirier still being able to be the victor in this one uh we see a uh a very feeling out process in the first round not a yeah. ton of damage landed by either guy just trying to be careful and not walking into anything um all of a sudden we're watching poirier and he's starting to come in and starting to press the action a little bit and out of the blue, Justin Gaethje lands an incredible head kick that goes around the guard of Poirier and uh, flattens him out, knocks him out, uh, shocks the world, blew everybody's mind. And Justin Gaethje is now the BMF champion, uh, the number one contender for the, the lightweight crown. And uh, it was uh, pretty shocking, pretty amazing, and a very memorable KO that we were not expecting. No, it uh, that knockout was as shocking as, and 
the fact that it was pretty much the exact same technique except with the opposite leg because he knocked him out with the right leg. It was the exact same thing as Leon Edwards, Kamaru Exactly, yeah. And it was the same same kick, same technique, same results. Same arena. Same, same arena. Same city, <laughs> same arena, yeah. yeah. So super bizarre. It was like a mirror was held up. And yeah. we saw, bam, it happened here. Bam, it happened here. A year later, wow, same arena. Pretty incredible. Shocking result. Um, yeah, I, I don't think anybody had Gaethje winning by head kick. Uh, he was really good at his low kicks in that first fight, and he was really damaging. Uh, Poirier definitely a lot in that first fight, and you thought he was going to employ that same uh, type of strategy. Uh, he landed a few outside leg kicks that weren't that damaging or or brutal at all, and uh, all of a sudden, um, I don't think Poirier suspected it. I heard him talking today, and he said, uh, here I was, I saw a punch thrown, uh, I went to duck it, and then the next thing I know, I'm trying to grab onto Herb Dean, and I'm like, <laughs> why am I grabbing onto Herb Dean? Oh, crap, something <laughs> happened. I'm laying on the ground. I laid back and thought, damn it. <laughs> he said, you just came out of nowhere, didn't see it. Yeah. Suddenly I'm on my back on the on the canvas, and that was it. Uh, it shocked him as much as it shocked all of us. Yeah, and it's always those those strikes you don't see coming is the ones that do the most damage. Yeah. And, like, it, it was funny because you knew, well, he's not going to fight that one. Like, no, he's... He lost. <laughs> yeah. There's no, there's no, there's nothing he, he can say. It's like, oh no, the fight stopped too quickly. No, nah, man, he he saved it, <laughs> and he and he was not getting up. It was over. No, over. he was done. It was finished. And uh, Herb Dean came sl sliding right. in like he was sliding into home plate to, <laughs> to, to stop that uh, from any further damage. But um, yeah, this uh, you know really. Puts Justin Gaethje at the elite status, um, giving him an opportunity to fight for the belt. Uh, I would love to see a rematch between these two guys because now they're one and one. We can have a trilogy and it would be something that, you know, I would be clamoring for. But um, probably the smart move for Gaethje is wait and and try to fight uh, whoever emerges as as champion in, in this division. Yeah, yeah, man. Like, I think the smart money move for Gaethje is just to wait. Just to wait at this point in time. Uh, of course, uh, our, our favorite Irishman had to chime in. And also that people don't forget who he is. Um, Gaethje had a very funny response to that, though. He's like, ah, I'm not really into fighting people on steroids, so I think I'm good. Uh, so, I, so I thought that was pretty funny. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, question for you. Do you think Gaethje should even think about possibly fighting Connor? Or should he just be purely focused on the belt? Get it. Well, you know, he said it there. I heard Poirier say it like, this guy's got to pass a drug test first. Like, he's not even really, he's yeah. not even really in the sport, you know, yeah. until he starts doing USADA. And, and in my opinion, uh, you know, Connor needs to be drug tested solidly for the next six months. So we know for sure that he's clean. We we don't know that he's... I, I, I would say 95% of the people that know this sport know that he hasn't been clean for the past 
year and a half. So he's got to get clean. He's got to get that out of his system. So it's a fair fight. I don't want guys on roids if the other guy can't be. If they can both be, great. But if they can't, then Connor shouldn't even be in the equation to talk about for any fights. Get drug testing, and then, you know, then you can call out whoever the hell you want. But get in the U.S. Auto drug program, and then legitimately we can really discuss who you should fight next. Yeah, because, like, right now, I think as it stands, like, he has to do the USADA for, like, six months. Yeah. And so, like, even if he starts now, the closest he'll ever – he could have a fight would still be next year. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. so you're absolutely right. It's like that, well, there's nothing to discuss because so, you're not really – you're not in the mix. You're yeah. not fighting. You're not in the USADA drug testing pool. So you're you're kind of retired. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're, no. you're not fighting, right? Like we yeah. were expecting you to be back in the USADA pool when you started doing the the being the coach for the Ultimate Fighter, and then you didn't do it. Like no. nothing happened. So then then you're just like, okay, well, what, what, what's going on here? Like, when do you want to jump back in? Is he thinking? Ah, I guess maybe I'll jump back in next year. Because then that's still six months. Yeah. And then you're looking at the summer. So. Whatever, man. I, I guess I guess we'll wait and see to when he decides that he wants to come back. The the one thing, you know, I call it Russians almost every single solitary time we have a podcast because of their just blatant steroid use across all sports. And it has been really, really brutal because they've got sanctioned and then they still have athletes testing positive for steroids. They get banned from competitions and they still have athletes testing positive for steroids. If I'm going to call out Russians for doing it, I should be able to call out Irishmen for doing it. And, uh, you know, he's obviously doing something or he would be in the program, wouldn't he? Like, Absolutely. Absolutely. I, mean, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, you, okay, okay. I'm actually going to make an argument for this guy and I can't believe I'm actually doing this, but I am. Okay, so he, he breaks the leg. Probably the, the quickest route to recovery from that, that devastating leg injury was actually helping, like taking steroids to help supplement you getting back and recovering properly. But you don't actually have to just keep doing it, right? Like, you know, like eventually you just say, okay, I think, I, I think I'm good. And I get off, I start weeding myself off, go back into the testing pool. Because like that, that was a long time ago now. Yeah. And if you look at Connor lately, you're just like, ah, oh, he got pretty big. It's pretty cool. <laughs> You're yeah, like, you, you, if you look you at the before and after pictures, it's he oh, yeah. like a different guy. Like, you know, yeah. if he didn't have the same tattoos and, you know, you yeah. could recognize his face, you, you'd be like, this is a different human being. Like, he's put on <laughs> 30 pounds of muscle probably, and yeah. he's, he's talking about fighting three or four weight classes up than he was. And you don't just naturally put on that type of size. You just don't. That's just in, – it's inhumanly possible – and especially when you're recovering from an injury and you're not able to work out as heavily as you were before, you know, it's that not possible. I, I, I'm fine with guys doing HGH, TRT, steroids, whatever the hell they want to do, but yeah. not competing. You know, if you need to recover from serious, devastating injury, there's a lot of proven medical facts that the, this will progress your healing and get you back. But once you're back, it's time to get off them so you, we can have a fair fight. Until they have a a mixed martial arts 
promotion that says, go ahead, use whatever the hell you want, then it's a fair fight. It's not a fair fight. If one guy's on something and the other guy can't be, then, you know, that's that's just not what we want to see here. This is life and death. You know, we're talking about life and death. A guy could kill a guy in there when he's got an advantage of these pharmaceuticals in his body. Yeah, absolutely. Like, hey, we, we've seen this happen with uh, Mark Hunt versus Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Where you, and that was super brutal. Because no. now it's hmm? pretty much ruined the uh, Mark Hunt's career. You know, it's, yeah. it's he he might never recover from that beating. Exactly right, and and he also proved it because they had to pay him out that the UFC was fully aware that the dude was still on steroids, right? Yeah. Fully aware, yeah. and they just wanted to make the fight happen so they can make their money, and everybody did. And then Mark Hunt had to make his money off the back because he had, unfortunately had to sue the company and say, no, no, you guys were pretty aware that he was on stuff. Yeah. And then also, dude I'm, I'm, dude, I'm sorry, man. Just look at that guy. Yeah. That guy's not a walking steroid, like, human being. Like, yeah. this, this, all you got to do is look at him and go, sure. okay, so this is who I'm going to fight. And he is juiced to the gills. Yeah. Right on. Right on. That's why, in a way, I wasn't super excited when Endeavor and the WWE merged because I thought maybe there would be way more crossover from wrestlers coming in. We saw Brock Lesnar move across. We saw CM Punk and others you know, talk about it. But I'm worried because almost all professional wrestlers are on steroids. Almost every one of them is on steroids. And the you know, UFC guys, if they're being tested – it's you know it's not in their system right now so you know i was a little concerned and worried about wwe and and endeavor the usc parent company being in bed together and too much crossover because you know we just can't have this we can't have this in this type of sport it's you know i don't really give a crap about team sports and a lot of the other stuff that we see sometimes uh you know this is life and death if a guy yeah. has this kind of advantage, we see a death. It's going to harm this organization. It's going to harm the sport as a whole. It's going to make people turn away and say it's too violent. There's been deaths. I don't want my children uh, ever getting into it. I don't want you know to uh, support something that leads to deaths. And so far, you know, thankfully, over 30 years, we haven't had a death in the UFC. But if they they aren't strict with rules we're gonna see this and it's going to harm the sport that we love yeah yeah absolutely it's gonna harm the sport that we love because like uh if somebody dies in the octagon it's it's gonna it's gonna be bad it's gonna be a very 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 bad thing and i'm sorry but i'm gonna go back to the to the example i was with before with uh mark hunt and uh uh brock lesnar Yep. Now, what if Mark Hunt had gotten some serious brain injury? You know what I mean? Like, what what if he got seriously, seriously injured? You know how bad that would have been? Because not only did you skirt the rules, and then he had to fight somebody that had a clear advantage by taking steroids. Now he's super injured, and he's in a hospital. Yeah. Now what are you going to do? No, they got it. They got to follow their own rules, obviously. And you got to keep it clean. You got you got to keep it above board for everybody. Yeah. I agree. Okay, well, uh, 
Islam Makachev and Charles Oliveira fight October 21st. Uh, this will determine champion there. And uh, I see Justin Gaethje getting this opportunity, uh, you know, to, to fight the winner of that. Uh, Dustin Poirier, he has probably a myriad of guys that he can fight that we will be really excited to see him fight against. Uh, he shouldn't be taking too much of a step back. Uh, you know, number two against number three, they switch positions in the rankings. And then Poirier has, you know, some great fights coming up. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see both of them fight next. Yeah, yeah. I'm super excited to see both of them fight. Um, yeah, and there's not, like you just said, there's not going to be much change in the rankings between the two of them. It's just that uh, now Gaethje, I think the smart money, obviously, is just for him just to wait, fight his time, see who he gets to fight next. Hopefully, it should be just for the belt. I don't see if he, I, I, I don't see a scenario where you should fight somebody else before he fights for the belt. I think he just fights for the belt. I agree. Yeah, definitely. Okay, now let's turn to the co-main event. Uh, we watched it. We weren't watching it one with one hundred percent, you know, uh, focus, but. We both saw Yamblhovich win this fight against Alex Pereira, who was moving up in weight. Uh, still looked, you know, as big as as Blahovich, but uh, we saw Blahovich win two rounds of the three and uh, should have got the decision. Ended up losing a split decision to Alex Pereira. Uh, he calls it absolute robbery. He's really mad and angry. Um, I think everybody you know that saw that really i think would have said that blahovich won this fight and it's too bad the referees got this i mean the judges got this wrong yeah it was a travesty no. seven minutes and 32 seconds of control time and apparently that doesn't count for nothing didn't count yeah like that that's the thing that shocked me it's like yeah it's over seven minutes of control time and apparently that didn't matter. Right. Yeah. So it's like, what what are we doing here, people? Like, what what's going on? Like, what what is happening right now? Brutal. Like, it, it's almost as if they there was a notion from the UFC that we got to promote him, we got to push him. And so if it's somewhat you know uh, close, we're just gonna give it to him. But that's the other thing. I don't think it was that close either. No. I think it was pretty clear that Blahovich won. Yeah. 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 Well, we, we saw him fight. We've seen him fight some of the middleweights that came up, and we saw him employ the strategy of taking them down, controlling them. And he yeah. had won against uh, three other opponents that had moved up in weight, and we thought, okay, the best strategy, and his team's going to think this too, is yeah. to take this guy down and control him, okay? And so that's what he did. He did his strategy to a perfect tee. And and then they rob him. They take this away from him. It's it's wrong. It it shouldn't have been that way. Uh, Pereira might have outstruck him on the feet, but he didn't damage him heavily. He didn't have yeah. him in trouble. He didn't have him wobbling around. And, and the thought was, oh, maybe he's going to finish this. There was a stand-up battle that was back and forth, back and forth. He might have landed a couple more shots per round. whoop de doo uh, He was controlled on the ground for half the fight, and they decide to uh, give him 
the the nod. It uh, it's wrong and it was a poor decision. I yeah, it 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 pains me to 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 see uh you know the judges coming in and and making mistakes like this and changing the course of history, changing guys' career. Blahovich is you know getting up in age. Uh, you know this was another shot for him to you know look at a a belt. Um, they're not giving him a you know a title shot now. Um, when you know he's coming off a loss, so uh, yeah, it frustrates me. It angers me, and uh, you know I'm 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 mad, and I'm I, I can see him being super frustrated by this. Uh, I guess Alex Pereira probably now does move into the the picture at the light heavyweight division. It's been murky because we've seen the last three champions all vacate the belt without losing it. We saw John Jones walk away, decide he wants to go to he- uh, heavyweight. We see uh, Yuri Perhachka end up with a brutal uh, shoulder injury and, and leave. We saw Jamal Hill now has a Achilles tear uh, that he suffered in a basketball game. And uh, so all three guys have had to vacate the belt. Uh, not sure if Perhachka's going to be able to come back, if Hill's coming back, what's going to happen to this really weird light heavyweight division? I'm not sure what the picture looks like over the next six months, year. I don't know. I don't even know. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's just going to be a merry-go-round, you know, like it's, it's literally, it's like the top five guys in the light heavyweight. Like eventually somebody's going to have to fight for the belt, but definitely I'm telling you right now, at some point in time next year, maybe even around the summertime, I think two of those guys are going to be coming back and they'll be good to go. And I think I'll be around Jamal Hill and Yuri Bohachka. Yuri Bohachka, his, the only question mark with him is that if he can actually recover enough to even fight again, yeah. that's number one for him. Sure. Because you know with Jamal Hill, yeah, he has a surgery. Once he recovers from his Achilles uh, injury, he'll be good. But it's an Achilles tear. So that will take like eight, nine months to a year for him to recover. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, I, I guess the only big question mark for me would be Yuri Prohachka, if he can actually come back. But if he can come back, I think sometime next year, then he would have been gone for at least two years, right? Yeah. Hasn't fought for at least two years. Two years is a significant amount of time for you to try to recover from any sort of injury. Yeah. And that should give you a good idea if he can actually come back. Yeah. Because if he can't come back after two years, probably going to have to call quits. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure where this light heavyweight division goes. Uh, we'll have to see over the next little while, uh, you know, two of the top five guys come back from super catastrophic injuries. And, yeah. um, you know, the mega med Ankalaev, uh, you know, horrible performance last time. So I don't think he's in the mix. So just yeah. don't really know where this goes, but I'm really sad for Jan. I, I think he got robbed and uh, it's not fair. For him, uh, hopefully the UFC does him well and pays him well for his next performance, who, whoever it's going to be against. Um, okay, the, the heavyweight fight that happened right before that was a uh, pretty shocking result. Uh, Derek Lewis has had some ups and downs in the last little while, but he comes in tied with Matt Brown for the most KOs in UFC history. And so you're looking for a knockout from Derek Lewis. We love seeing the Black Beast uh, in there. And uh, he has never really 
ever looked in as good a shape as he is now. He seems to have really taken it seriously. I knew he never really enjoyed training. He loves food too much. And he I don't think he ever really took it as seriously as he seems to be now. And uh, I don't think he could have ever thrown a flying knee that, uh, you know, would have knocked out a guy until recently. But that's what he did to Marcus Rogerio de Lima uh, right off the start of this fight. Runs in, jumps up in the air, flies, throws a flying switch knee, uh, drops him, jumps on top of him, and uh, was able to get the victory very early on, 31 seconds into this one. And, uh, yeah, then he takes the mic, uh, makes us all laugh. Uh, you know, love this guy, love him in the UFC. He said he's a free agent. Uh, hopefully the UFC signs him because he's one of the most entertaining guys in the sport. He took his shorts off to celebrate. <laughs> he took his shorts off. And then <laughs> and then he goes to Joe Rogan. It's like, you know how it is, Joe. You know, the ball's hot. Got to take him off. <laughs> I'm like, um, yeah, he, he does make you laugh. But if this is the new version of uh, of the Black Beast, and this is an in-shape version of him, that he can just do jumping flying knees and just take guys out first minute, yeah, he should stick to that. He should stick on that schedule. Like, you know, he should, he should stay uh, with that sort of fitness level because obviously it's good for him. And then it's good for the UFC. Yeah. guy's hilarious. Yeah. So, yeah, you would want him back in the organization. Now, I guess the only question for the UFC is, like, uh, if they can negotiate a new contract and if they will pay the men. Yeah. But if he doesn't get it from the UFC, I'm pretty – I feel pretty confident that somebody's going to pay him. Somebody would want him in their organization. Yeah. No well, we, we, we saw Francis Ngannou walk from the UFC because the money wasn't there. Uh, yep. you know, we can see, I'm sure, Derek Lewis because there would be a lineup of promotions yes. – wanting this guy to represent their company he's he's really personable very funny and as i said you know has the most knockouts in ufc history in, in the cage and uh you know that's a pretty incredible accomplishment out of 30 years to be the guy who's knocked out more opponents in the cage than anybody else yeah that is an incredible accomplishment and hopefully we'll see him knock out more people that that's that's my hope. I would love to see him knock out more people, but I I also want to see him get paid. I think he deserves it. I think he's the one of the most uh, engaging heavyweights that they have in the UFC at this point in time. I think he I think he should still be there, and I think they got to pay him. I think yeah. they got to pay him. Yeah. Oh, he deserves it, and I hope he gets a big payday. I hope they step up and. And pay him what he's what he's worth and what he deserves. And uh, yeah, I, I I don't want him to go somewhere else because I, I I watch some of the other promotions, but not as closely as the UFC. And and unfortunately, when guys leave the UFC, they kind of get dis they they sort of disappear in the public eye. Uh, a lot of them, you know, join these other promotions that just don't get the same kind of notoriety and publicity. Yeah. Yeah, because like, well, UFC is the flagship. They're the they're they're the ones. They're the, they're number one in the sport. And if you're not on there, then you're not really being seen. You know what I mean? Like you're yeah. you're just in a lower tiered um, organization. Can you can you North name me, can you name me one of the winners this weekend from the Bellator card? 
who fought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's just that's the way it is. Uh, unfortunately, Bellator had a huge card, but we don't really know about it much. No, it's just not, there's not there's not much media attention to it. So, you know, you become sort of obscure. Yeah, it's great to make some money, but, you know, yeah. that notoriety also contributes to getting a lot of endorsement deals, you know, contributes to your your value, your brand value, and you can keep asking for more and more money as your career keeps going up and up. Yeah, absolutely. Just as long as you keep winning, you can keep getting more money. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's turn to the uh, much-anticipated lightweight battle between Tony Ferguson and Bobby Green. Uh, Tony, Tony Ferguson, former champion and uh, you know, all-time BMFer, and uh, he comes into this one on a five-fight losing skid, fighting a really tough guy in Bobby Green that just has one of the toughest, most unorthodox style, uh, very hard to fight because his punches are coming from his waist and uh, really, really fast. He's got speed advantage over almost everybody that he fights, and he was able to pick apart Tony Ferguson end up uh, getting this victory uh one of the latest submissions ever in the in the UFC five, uh, six seconds left but um yeah unfortunately uh, I think the wars that Tony Ferguson has been in have really aged him and really taken the steam out of out of his fighting and uh with six straight losses um yeah I I, I know that he's right on the edge of of you know finishing his career. Uh, leaving the UFC, uh, maybe not to be seen again, but Bobby Green was definitely the superior fighter on this night. Oh, yeah, man. Like, he he was able to use his speed and his counters to great effectiveness. Like, fighting Ferguson is hard because he's super unorthodox. Yeah. He, like, he, he doesn't follow, he doesn't really have a set movement pattern when he's striking. Like, it's just, it'll just come from anywhere and everywhere at the same yeah. time. Oh. But, what happened to Ferguson was, unfortunately, is that Green figured him out. Green figured him out and was able to hurt him. Um, Out-wrestled him, too, in round two. He had really good ground and pound when he got him to the ground. But uh, <laughs> it was a little odd, though. Like, when, when, when Green was locking in that arm triangle, right? And then you saw Tony just trying to flail his legs. I'm just like, okay, so is he doing that for the reps? To say that, oh no, he's still with it, or is he doing it to show I'm about to go out? Like <laughs> once I start kicking my legs, you know I'm done, right? <laughs> then you can fight. Yeah, yeah. Dan Mergliata almost took a couple of those kicks to his face because uh, he was flailing around, uh, trying his best. To, I don't know, maybe work himself out of that, but he was in a no-win situation once the once the triangle was in and. Bobby got position on the side of his body. Uh, yeah, yeah it was the be beginning of the end. He went out on his shield, didn't tap. Uh, yeah. You know, it didn't look like he was out for long, though, which is which was good. Yeah, no, that that was good. Um, but I, I think at this point in time, if the UFC doesn't cut him, or maybe like Ferguson is really close to the end of his contract, and maybe the UFC just lets him fight it out. But one more, one more loss for sure. I think the UFC cuts him. Yeah. I think that that's it and it. And also, too, he should be seriously considering retirement yeah. at this point in time. I really do think so. 
I think you should yeah. seriously yeah. consider. Yeah, I think everyone, uh, you know, is, is seeing the writing on the wall. Hopefully, you know, he has those people in his inner circle that, uh, you know, tell him the truth. And, you know, I, I, as I said many times in this podcast, I never want to call a guy, you know, tell a guy to retire because, you know, I, I, I don't know all the sacrifices he's gone through in his life to get where he, he, he is. I don't know, you know, where his financial situation is. I don't know anything about his personal journey, you know, to get there. But um, you you want a guy to have a quality of life in his in his retirement. And so, you know, maybe it's time. He'll always be remembered very fondly by, you know, most mixed, mixed, mixed martial arts fans as, you know, a guy that brought it every time and was, you know, really entertaining for majority of his career. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like he should be celebrated for that because he he was a fantastic fighter when he was at his prime. I think he has one of the longest winning streaks in the UFC when he was really on. But, you know, there there has to be a time when you have to be real with yourself and say, ah, I don't know if I can keep doing this because and especially when you have the losses that just keep piling up and up and up. I think that's a serious indicator of where you are. And what you should probably be thinking of and doing next. Yeah. Um, okay, I want to talk uh the, the first fight that kicked off the uh main card, but I also don't want to forget we need to talk about the Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, uh Michelle Pereira incident where Pereira missed weight and that fight didn't go forward because of uh Wonderboy not wanting to fight him. But let's just uh briefly mention Kevin Holland, great performance over. Michael Chiesa, he ends up getting a Darsh choke uh, victory. And, um, yeah, just a, a very amazing performance by the Trailblazer uh, against a super tough guy, number 12, Michael Chiesa. Yeah, and Chiesa, you know, when he shot and then Holland was able to, like, lock up that Darsh choke, I don't think, it, like, when he did that, I don't think his positioning was good. Or... He probably didn't consider that Holland's long, his long limbs would be able to do that to him. Right. I think that maybe that's more to the point. Like he just didn't consider just the length of Holland's limbs and just go, oh, I think I should be safe. You were not safe. Yeah. Like, cause he, he wrapped up that Dars choke quick and right. took him out. So, and interesting enough that Holland said that after he's like, oh no, he was super susceptible to that. And that Chiesa has actually lost to the Dar Choke three times in his career. Yeah. So kudos to the coaches for seeing that and knowing that that was available. That was there for him to take if if he shot sloppily, that he would be able to lock that up really quick. So yeah, great win by Holland. Uh, Chiesa went for that uh, takedown after getting after get uh, hit by a brutal knee. Mm, was that's right. kind of dropping him at the same time. Um, you know, Holland was beating him up on the feet, landing some brutal knees and really uh, softening him up. And uh, I think Kiesa was like, okay, I'm going down. I better try for something. And, uh, you know, once he started, he went for that. I think Holland was like, hey, we trained for this. I've seen this. And uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, Kiesa uh, has the most Darsh choke losses in USC history. So, um, you know, he was susceptible to that, but um, it was sort of because of what Trailblazer was doing to him in the fight. 
Yeah, that's true. That, yeah, because Trailblazer landed that beautiful knee, rocked him, and then he was able to lock up that Darce choke and just take him out. So uh, very curious to see who Kevin Holland will fight next and at what weight division he fights next yeah. at because he did mention that he'd like to go up to what back up to 185 and eat meat and have sex again or something like that. I didn't realize that having sex, you know, like that would just affect him that badly. So I, I would like to see the man do that again for himself. So, uh, yeah, if he goes back at 185, but he looked good at 170. He looked good at 170. And, again, we were talking about it that night. I'm always amazed at how big uh, Michael Chiesa is because then I'm always like, how did he ever make 155? He yeah. doesn't look like a man that could have ever made 155. No, yeah, no kidding. It's shocking. Um, yeah, shocking that he could have. And yeah, and Holland's able to come down and still look good, which is pretty insane and yeah, wild. Yeah, he said he wants to eat steak and have lots of sex and just stay at 185. So yeah, all the power to him. Uh, you know, uh, hopefully he can put on good performances like this one um, at that weight too. Uh, okay, as I mentioned, um, I do want to talk about the Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, uh, Michelle Pereira. Uh, this fight was supposed to take place. We were excited about it. Uh, great welterweight uh, guys that are uh, near the top of this division. And uh, Pereira, again, misses weight. Uh, we saw him miss weight here in Vancouver. And um, not a lot was, um, you know, not, not a lot of punishment was given to him. For that miss, luckily, Tristan Connolly uh, fighting a weight class above himself and, uh, you know, made weight, uh, was able to get the victory, take the performance bonus 50000 away from uh, Michelle Pereira as well and change his life. It was an amazing thing to see. But if Michelle Pereira is missing weight consistently and, uh, you know, not having to get himself right down there because it is. The, the toughest three, four, five pounds, are, the, the last three, four, five pounds are the toughest, and it's the ones that are going to impact yourself the most. Wonder Boy steps on the scales, makes weight, has never missed weight in his entire career, and Pereira has consistently done this. Uh, I, You know, all the power to Wonder Boy to say, no, I'm not doing this, buddy. Uh, I'm not willing to, to uh, make this compromise and say, sure, go ahead, give me – 20% of your purse, whoop de do. Not not doing it. I I'm I applaud Wonderboy for saying forget this and uh we'll we'll fight another day. Yeah, I do too. I do too, but there's a problem. I have a, like and if, if if this is accurately reported, I got a real problem with this. That apparently Wonderboy wasn't given a show money. Jeez. Yeah, and so so then, if that's actually the case, if that's the truth, what is the message that you're trying to send yeah. to your fighters? Which is because it's in the contract, like everybody's got to make weight, and if you're the guy that you're fighting doesn't, you have the right to say no. Yeah. So, so now that they did, they did that to uh, Wonder Boy. Are you saying, yeah, even if they don't make weight, you still got to fight if you want your show money? That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's Why do you even have those rules in the first place? Why does anybody have to make weight then? Yeah, you know, yeah, like I, I, yeah. I, I, I heard it. I was reading it. I had to read it a couple times. And I'm just like, wow. that doesn't make any damn sense. Like, what? What's the message you're trying to send? Like, are you want 
you're trying to force your fighters now that even if the other guy doesn't make weight or it's an egregious miss that you they still got to fight. That's ridiculous. Yeah, not happy about that at all. It it yeah, that's just that's ridiculous and horrible, and that has to change. That has to change, or yeah, you're sending a horrible message to everybody, and yeah, nobody's nobody's on you know gonna have to follow the rules. So, um, Wonder Boy faced Darren Till a couple of years ago, and Darren Till um, came in overweight, and uh, Wonder Boy said inside the cage he could see and tell how much bigger, how much more power he had. It really shocked him. And he said, never again, never going to do this again. And he lost to Darren Till. It uh, affected his career when you get a loss like that. Um, he's in his 40s now, and he has to be very smart and strategic. He takes a loss against anybody. Uh, nobody's going to say years from now, oh, it's because that guy was overweight. If he takes a loss right now, he might never get a chance at that upper echelon or a title fight again. So. Um, you know, this this is uh, the right move. I'm glad his camp was fine with it. I'm glad, you know, they all decided that this was in the betterment of his career to step away and say this fight's not happening. Yeah, absolutely. I, I 100% agree because he came ready to fight. The other guy did not. Simply so, That's right? No. And and also, too, you have to, you have to remember – I, okay, so he missed weight, but he gets to rehydrate, right? And we saw that with Pereira. He went from 205 the day of the weigh-in to the next day, and he showed it on his Instagram. He gained 23 pounds. He's back to 228 yeah. for, for the day of the fight. Yeah. So now, not only does you're asking Thompson to fight him, and he didn't make weight, but that guy could probably put back 20 pounds. And now he's that much bigger than Tops yeah. in that fight. No, nah, man, that's just not. It's not fair. It's not fair, and it's not right. No, no. The UFC should force him to fight at his proper weight. He has to go up in weight, and you know, yeah. no more, no more crap. You know, this this is their fault for allowing no. him to fight this. You know, you miss you miss weight twice, then you should never be allowed to fight in that weight class again. That you know, that should be another rule that they employ, and you know, they're. He, uh, Wonder Boy said, you know, there's just not enough consequences and it's just not right. Guys can just egregiously miss. And, uh, you know, you know, he said, sometimes I could understand a half a pound, you know, and the guy has to take that off in the last hour, whatever. Uh, you know, you got to make weight. Yeah, it's the only thing that you have guaranteed that you'll do when you sign the contract. I will show up and make weight on the Friday. So, you know, you didn't honor the contract. Why should I be, uh, you know, salvaging your week, your training camp? He said, I sacrifice. I go to have to be away from my family doing all the training. And, you know, it's just it's just wrong. And, uh, yeah, hopefully things like this maybe change the UFC's eyes and, you know, put some more uh, punitive things in place for a guy that will just – periodically keep missing weight yeah yeah they, like something needs to change there and i and i agree with you like if you miss weight way too many times can't fight at that weight division anymore you got to go up yeah and i think they should make a hard and fast rule for that and uh and definitely you should not be penalized if you make weight 
and the other guy doesn't, and you choose not to fight him, you should get paid. Get you were there to fight. You were ready. So, like, I, I, I just, I just don't agree with it because that's, it's, yeah, it's that's sends, a horrible, sends bad terrible, terrible, terrible decision for the UFC. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, let's fly through the prelims. Um, the feature fight on the prelims had uh, Gabriel Bonheim uh, coming in uh, undefeated at fourteen and zero against Trevin Giles. I didn't like this fight right from the get go. I thought it was a mismatch, and it definitely proved to be. Uh, it was over. It was over before it started, but Boneheim had to come in, and uh, one minute, 13 seconds later, he gets his hand raised, and uh, kind of an easy walkthrough. Just these two, these guys are on different levels, and it wasn't a fair fight. Yeah, because it was 73 seconds, right? So he, I think Bon Fim had just let, looked at him and said, how fast can I get this guy out of here? Yeah, yeah I, th- I think I could do it pretty quick, but we'll, we'll, you know what, we'll see, we'll see. And then 73 seconds later, he's like, oh, all right, all right. He, he choked him out, done. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, unfortunately, this was a miss. They got this one wrong. Uh, Giles should never fuck on him. Like, it's never. Because he's, yeah. not, he's not even close to being on his level. But love the call out that Bonfim had. Because he wants to fight Neil Magdy. I think that's a great fight. Yeah. That's a fight that you should yeah. make. That's one that should happen. That'd be great. Yeah, I, I I really look forward to that if they can put that together. Uh, yeah. Very cool. Uh, Bonheim's got uh, 15 wins, 12 submission wins. Uh, he just got an immediate takedown, jumped in, got a guillotine choke in, and, and, and won this. And, yeah, let's hope we get to see him against Neil Magny. Uh, I think that would be a terrific fight for them to put together. And he made the call, so why not? Let's do it. Uh, flyweight fight between CJ Vergara and Vinicius Salvador. Very happy to see Vergara get his hand raised because Vinicius was another guy that missed weight. He missed by uh, three and a half pounds, I think it was. Um, yeah, just you know, I don't, I don't want to see a guy coming in uh, that heavy. The other guy agrees, and him win. I would, I love to see a guy get beat uh at his game if he's not willing to uh you know be proper on the scale and um uh, nice nice performance by Vergara uh I like the victory yeah yeah I I thought eventually he was really getting the better of the exchanges between the two um and uh yeah I and I kind of thought that Salvador was fading a little bit near the end of that fight uh probably because of the weight miss and yeah, three and a half. So he missed by three and a half pounds. Yeah. Like, well, so okay. And again, they're lucky that this fight even happened. They're lucky that Vergara decided to say, "All right, I, you know what? I'll still fight." Because again, maybe, maybe more guys need to do that. Yeah. Maybe more guys need need to say, "Yeah, make weight, forget it, done." Yeah. So, like you know, just n- not have, not give the UFC any wiggle room. It's like the guy didn't make weight, not fight him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, or or the UFC just has a rule that if you don't make weight, you don't fight. The guy doesn't have a decision. You know, you're yeah. just out. Too bad yeah. for you. We'll have a yeah. backup fighter, and you're not getting anything, and you you're suspended for six months, or you know, like let let's make it brutal. So the guys just don't do this. They they either fight at their proper weight or they make the weight. You know, no ifs ands or buts. You're not getting fight and you're suspended for six months a year whatever like make it make it just 
very, very, very tough for these guys to just periodically do this. And it gives them an advantage. Yeah, that's no joke. It gives them an advantage. Really, it does. Yeah. And, like, if you make the penalty severe enough, then you'll see a lot of this nonsense go away, right? And maybe that's what they that's maybe that's what they should start really looking into. And I like that idea. I like that idea of taking um, the decision out of the fighters' hands and saying, if you don't make weight, then you don't fight. Yeah, we'll just have somebody else waiting in the wings. Um. Okay. Uh. This next fight involves a Russian. Uh. You know. I. I've had some issues with Russians. Um. Uh, you know. You can. You can. You can talk about this performance. That would be better, probably. Okay, all right then. So, so Kopilov, great, great win by him, by the way. Um, I thought it was actually pretty even in the first round. I, I thought both both guys were trying to field each other out. Ribeiro had some great leg kicks, uh, but Kopilov was definitely continuing to move forward and putting on smart pressure on uh, Ribeiro. He's beginning to crowd him and beginning to crowd him more and more. As as time went on, especially going into the second round, um, Kopilov caught Ribeiro uh, a couple times when he was coming in, great counters, but uh, finished him off in round two with a left high kick, and it was a beautiful left high kick because there was no tell whatsoever. He didn't load up the kick, he didn't do any of that. He just threw it shin to the shin to uh, the man's chin, and he was out. Done and done. Yeah, yeah, he sure was. Uh, yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, it was a, a great kick, and it was uh, over immediately. Mark Goddard came in and stopped the action. Um, he called out Sean Strickland, uh, which yeah, that's uh, not happen. It uh, it might not happen because uh, you know Strickland is quite a bit higher ranked, and uh, you know he's not quite in the rankings yet. But um, I guess you might as well shoot for the moon and, uh, you know, make that call if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Shoot for the moon. You know, it's unfortunate, but that, yeah, that fight's not going to happen. Kopilov still needs to climb the ladder if he wants to fight a guy on Sean Strickland's level. And so, and that's, that he's still several fights away from doing that. Okay. Let's talk about the fight that kicked off the prelims. Um, Jake Matthews was supposed to fight Miguel Baeza. Uh, Baeza had to uh, bow out. So uh, Darius Flowers uh, came in on late notice, uh, making his UFC debut. Uh, he came in with all sorts of pressure, was really, really pressuring Matthews. And and uh, looking really good doing so. Uh, Matthews kept his head about him, uh, was trying his best to keep him off with good strikes and lots of movement. And eventually, Matthews was able to uh, get capitalize, get the big victory, and take, take Flowers out, um, get a submission victory. And uh, it was good while it lasted for Flowers, but uh, it was nice that, Matthews was able to say, "No, no, uh, I've got this. I'm good. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be able to beat you." Um, but yeah, uh, you know, pretty good debut by Flowers, but the superior fighter, I think, uh, I think won in the end. Yeah, yeah, the, definitely. Matthews was the better fighter. He actually had a great, great game plan since Flowers 
took this fight on short notice, so you know that his tank is not up to snuff. Yeah. And so he just, he bided his time. He waited for his opportunity, knew that he was going to get tired. And then once he got it in round two, got the takedown, good ground and pound, tried to go for a Camaro, didn't get that, eventually got his back and got the rear naked choke, sunk that in. Great win by Matthews. Great win. <clears throat> Very good. Yeah. Uh, early prelims, let's just mention it super bit quick. Uh, I actually saw the Miranda Maverick fight first. Then in my transit, heading over to see you, I missed the Semmelsberger Medish fight. Uh, you said Medish was uh, phenomenal, looked great, ended up getting the win. Uh, what do you want to mention there? I just want to mention the fact that uh, Medich, um, I, I, I want to say, I think he actually, he hurt his leg at some point in time in that fight. So he, he, was, he was dealing with that. But... He hit him with uh, – Medich hit Smellsberger with a spinning spinning back fist, which led to him getting grounded and then finished off with the ground and pound. It hit him with the forearm, actually. That's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it, it was it was a beautiful win because Smellsberger is a, is a dangerous fighter because he's got a ton of power. So I, I, was, I was super impressed with that win by Medich. Super impressed. And then he said, happy birthday to me. And we were like, okay, uh, I don't remember a guy uh, yelling that out before. <laughs> I mean, that made us laugh. Yeah, that, that was actually pretty good. I, I do appreciate the fact that he did that, where he was like, oh, by the way, everybody, it is my birthday. So happy birthday to this guy right here. <laughs> I'm awesome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Semmelsberger was supposed to fight Johan Lioness uh, in this fight. Uh, so Medish stepped in on short notice. Another impressive short notice performance and uh, good on him getting a victory over a super tough guy. Uh, Miranda Maverick looked really good in her uh, her fight, um, fighting a, a super tough girl. But uh, yeah, I, I, I thought a very dominant win. Um, that is her eighth submission, fifth, uh, fifth UFC win at 26 years old, won three of her last four, um, really, really nice performance over, uh, zombie girl, a, uh, a very tough girl there and a nice way to kick off the card. I thought it was good. Great. Yeah. Great way to kick off the card. Uh, Maverick looked fantastic. Maverick looked great. Uh, I look forward to seeing her just to keep uh, continually climbing up the ranks and uh, hopefully at some point in time trying to uh, starting to fight uh, some ranked opponents. Yeah, yeah, I think she deserves it, yeah. Uh, okay, we've got a card coming up this Saturday. It's coming to us from Nashville, Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, actually a pretty underrated city, pretty fun. Um, starts at uh, 3 o'clock Pacific for the prelims. Uh, six o'clock for the main card, uh, locally here in the Pacific region, obviously three hours ahead in the East. Um, this fight should be pretty good. Corey Sanhagen, Rob Font, they were both supposed to fight, uh, different guys. Uh, so th this is kind of a, uh, mashed together fight. Uh, Sanhagen was supposed to fight, um, Umar Megamedov who had a really severe shoulder injury, had to pull out. Uh, Font was supposed to fight Song Yedong, and uh, he got injured, so they've had to put this together. They've decided they would do it at a catch weight of 140 and uh, bring them in. 
Um, they're both uh, ranked at the bantamweight. Corey Sanhagen's number four, um, and Rob Font is number seven in the bantamweight rankings. Um, the Sandman is on a two-fight winning streak. Uh, he beat Cheeto Vera last uh, in March uh, on a split decision. And Song Yudong was his uh, second last victory uh, in September. Uh, Rob Font has also won his last two and uh, comes in. Uh, his last win was against Adrian Yanez. That was just in April. So they're both coming in strong. And uh, I, I'm actually kind of excited about this fight. I wasn't you know, going to talk much about it uh, because they were fighting other guys. But now I've had to sort of transition and say, Okay, yeah, this this fight kind of makes sense, and it should be pretty good. Yeah, I think the fight makes a lot of sense. I think the fight's going to be very good. It's going to be very technical. Um, it's it's going to be basically chess. These guys are going to be playing chess with one another because their fight IQ for both of these men is just through the roof. So yeah. um, I expect a very technical battle. Uh, wherever the fight happens on the feet, on the mat, it's it's going to be very technical. Here's a question, though. I've never actually really considered this. Regardless of who wins this fight, would there be any change in their ranking since they're not officially fighting at 135? I doubt it. Yeah, probably yeah. not. No. 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 So, I, so at least for them, at least none of that's going to change. Yeah. But um, I have no idea who's going to win this fight. They're, I, I, To me, they're, they're pretty equal. They're still. very even, I, yeah. yeah. I don't see – I, I I honestly can't see a ton of difference between them. You know, I, I think they're both exactly the same fighters. So, yeah, it's it's very interesting uh, matchup. And, um, yeah, should be fun. Probably pretty fun fight. Yeah. Uh, the co-main has Jessica Andrade. Uh, she's coming in facing the undefeated Tatiana Suarez. Uh, Suarez is definitely on the rise and, uh, you know, heavy prospect coming through. Uh, Andrade is that pit bull girl that, you know, we just can't believe that she's, uh, you know, so, so much of a crazy pit bull. She just looks like a fighter and, uh, you know, really has had a lot of amazing fights, has fought for the belt at, at, uh, you know, on a few occasions and has had a pretty incredible career. Uh, Suarez was supposed to be fighting Montana De La Rosa, who uh, fell off this card. So uh, Andrade is coming in on late notice, coming in for this one. Um, she lost to uh, Yan Janan uh, in May and lost to Aaron Blanchfield to a rear naked choke in February. This will actually be her fourth fight this year. So uh, super busy. Um, yeah, Andrade is super tough, has been through wars. This is actually going to be her 25th UFC fight, which is incredible. So, um, yeah, uh, Tatiana's the up and comer, the veteran, uh, Andrade, um, pretty interesting matchup now. Very interesting matchup, uh, for Andrade, what she needs to be super aware of is not discount her opponent. Uh, like she did for her last person that she fought. She didn't respect that person. I cannot remember. Yan Junan was her last opponent there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Didn't respect her enough. Yeah. Lost. I think she learned from that, and I think she she definitely has to come in with a little bit more respect uh, with Suarez. But 
I think the path of least resistance to her is just maybe try to take it to the ground and like not go for submissions, just ground and pound. Yeah. Just ground and pound. That makes sense. Yeah. Suarez, uh, you know, not new to the USC. This will be her seventh USC appearance, but, um, you know, like I said, 25 now for Andrade. And, um, you know, that's pretty elite company. Uh, we've got two Canadians on this card, which is always great. Uh, we've got Tanner Bozer, friend of the show, been on this podcast on a couple of occasions before. Uh, he's coming in, fighting for his UFC life. Uh, I don't want to say anything bad about him. I, you know, love this guy. Want nothing but the best for him. But, um, you know, he has uh, coming in, to, lost two of his last three, four of his last five. And, um, yeah, just uh, was really worried that he might be losing his UFC career. Begged them to give him another opponent, give him one more chance. Uh, he's facing Alexa Kamer, who's um, Bosnian and uh, has had a uh, fairly decent career, but he is coming in off two losses as well. So um, well, I'm not sure what we're going to see, but uh, I'm glad Tanner's getting an, another chance, and I hope he gets a victory here to continue his USC career. I think you're, you're going to see a great fight between these two because there's a definitely a sense of desperation coming from both fighters. So they're, I think they're just going to be coming out full steam ahead. Yeah. No holes barred, uh, laying everything on the line, especially when it's coming to Tanner, because he knows this is it. This is his last chance. If he loses, he's out, and he knows that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, and then the other guy fighting on the card just after that fight is Gavin <laughs> Tucker uh, facing Diego Lopez. Uh, Tucker is coming off that really tough, uh, 22 second knockout uh, the hands of Dan Ige uh, wow. that is uh, going back over two years though March 13th of 2021 um, he's 13 and 2 uh, has had a pretty great uh, USC career seven appearances this will be his seventh appearance he's 4 and 2 in the USC's so far 4 KOs, 6 submissions only 3 have went to the judges uh, Lopez comes in 21 and 6 um, he lost uh, recently to Mobser Evlolev, uh, lost a decision on May the 6th, just three months ago. Um, and he's coming in, uh, not doing too great. Last eight fights, only three and five. So um, both guys needing a victory as well in this one. I'm, I'm sure Tucker will bring it. And uh, yeah, we're, I think we're going to see a heck of a battle in these both these fights. Yeah, I, I I would say that too. I agree with you on that. Um, uh, Gavin Tucker is incredibly skilled, uh, and we haven't seen him fight for a while. So I I'm looking forward to seeing this fight. I'm looking forward to seeing him. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's put the combat sports to bed and just uh, talk a, a little bit about some of the um, other things that are going around in the world of sports. Um, great uh, visuals today. Uh, Damar Hamlin was on the field today for his first padded practice since his cardiac arrest last uh, last year. Um, it was very emotional for him. Uh, great for his family. Great for his teammates. Nice to see a guy as uh, looking like he's fully recovered from this. And uh, nice to see him back in the mix and getting a shot at training camp. Yeah, it's great. It's great because of the fact of how it could have been. 
right? Yeah. Like that, and that's and that's that's the win that we all wanted to see. I mean, I'm glad he can continue on with his career because clearly they probably gave him a battery of tests yeah. before they would even consider putting him on the field. Yeah. And now knowing that he's passed all of that and he's good to go, I couldn't be happier for the young man, and I hope he has a very long and awesome career in the NFL. Yeah, me as well. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm told he's not guaranteed a spot on the team, which uh, was kind of scary to hear that. Um, I guess they've they've brought in uh, some other people, I guess, in case he wasn't going to be able to recover and uh, he's not guaranteed a spot. So uh, he's in a dogfight to keep his uh, his job. And um, yeah, I, I, I wish him nothing but the best. I hope he stays there. I, he's he's very beloved in that community and with his teammates. You could see just the absolute outpouring of support for him, what he went through, and uh, lots of love there. It would be tough to see him uh, leave this team and uh, have to pursue his, his career somewhere else. Yeah, that would be tough. Um, I understand why the team had to do that just, to, just in case. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, well, but he is back now. So does he really have to fight for his job? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, but it's the NFL. And I understand it's business. And I understand it's cutthroat. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I just would have. I would have appreciated it more if they just said, okay, you're good to go. You don't just immediately lose your job. You can come back. You get your job back. And yeah, we'll go ahead. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're making that kind of a statement. I just think that <laughs> uh, you know. I I just think that there's, uh, you know, been some talk that uh, you know there there are a, a lot of guys fighting for his position, yeah. and uh, you know it's 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 not guaranteed. So, uh, but you know, fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, at the end of training camp, uh, we'll see him suit up and uh, have a, a phenomenal career going forward. Uh, we are in the week that uh, we'll, we will see the NFL preseason kickoff Thursday, first game. It's the Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio. They always kick off the season now uh, with that game. It's the Cleveland Browns against the New York Jets. I'm not gonna I'm not sure if we're gonna see any Aaron Rodgers in this first game. Probably unlikely. They usually um, have the prospects and some of the, other guys fighting for positions um, uh, play those first couple preseason games, but uh, nice. That's always a nice way to kick off the preseason. Um, that Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio, and and uh, the guys will be inducted on Saturday. That are the 2023 class. Lots of festivities all week long, and um, great. It's always great to you know, see the guys celebrated for their amazing careers. Yeah, no, that's that's always fantastic. It's always great to see people um, giving their flowers as they're going into the Hall of Fame and all that sort of stuff, and that that's that's great. Um, but for the preseason, I'm I'm kind of curious since it's the first one. Maybe you don't see him, maybe you do. I'm pretty sure we're not going to see Aaron Rodgers. No, so I agree with you on that. But we may see Deshaun Watson. We may see him, and and I that makes sense to me because. He didn't have the greatest end to his season last year, and he clearly needs reps. Needs reps so yeah. maybe we do see him in. Yeah. I think a lot of teams are really worried about having injuries and, yeah. and uh, that kind of thing. So we usually don't typically see the starters until, you know, the, the second the, or the, the third or the fourth preseason game. But 
Uh, you, you, you're, you could be right on that. Uh, you know, guy just didn't get the reps last year and it'd be nice for him to get up to speed. I, I don't, I, I would myself, if I'm running a team, uh, you know, I'm getting my guys reps. I'm getting my guys ready. I'm really putting forward. So by the time I hit that first game, they're already in sort of mid season form. I, that's, that's what I would do. Uh, if I was running a team. Yeah. And again, that's what you want to see, but you still got to be kind of careful, right? Because you you don't want any of your starters to get hurt, especially before the season starts where you're just like, oh, how many guys went down in our preseason yeah. game? Like three, four? Oh, okay. Yeah. That, that well, in stuck. a second, I'm going to talk about some injuries that happened today. <laughs> so, yeah, oh. that's happened. But uh, okay. I do want to mention just the nine guys that are getting into the Hall of Fame. Uh, Darrell Rivas, uh, Joe, Tom- Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas. Uh, De- Demarcus Ware, Rondé Barber, Joe Klecko, Chuck Howley, Ken Riley, and Don Air Coriel, my favorite uh, coach of all time, uh, longtime San Diego Chargers coach. Um, yeah, pretty good class, a lot of uh, really uh, top guys. Uh, amazing, though, in the NFL, uh, because careers are so short, uh, you know, guys can get in uh, just having, you know, three, four elite years having you know maybe six to nine year career get in there but um yeah i i uh love to see the speeches i love to the inductions and uh this is a you know lifelong achievement for a guy so um great to see these nine guys getting this honor yeah it's 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 fantastic to see and then i always like seeing the hall of fame because you're just you kind of get reminded again you're like oh he's going yeah he should yeah. He was really good, <laughs> you know, like, as you go down memory lane, like especially when you said Darrell Rebus. That for me, I'm just like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely Darrell Rebus. Because yeah. Darrell Rebus was as good as like any cornerback ever. Like I I put him in the same, like when he was at his prime, he was as good as Deion Sanders. Yeah. He was that good. Oh, yeah. He was he was elite. He was tough. Yeah, yeah. he you were not able to, you know, get much going on that side of the field. You pretty much had to stick to the other side of the field if you were going up against him. Yeah, and you gotta love that. Like if you're a defensive coordinator, it's just go. So Revis, you got just the side of the field. Just gotta worry about you other guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, I mentioned injuries. Uh, was wide receiver Tim Patrick on the Denver Broncos was carted off the field today. Uh, blown. It looks like ruptured Achilles tendon. Uh, every time I say that to Jason, he winces because he's felt that pain and he knows that recovery. Um, yeah, they 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 haven't released the full details, but that's the initial diagnosis that's been out there so gone for the year um tough for denver uh denver's offense last year was absolutely brutal and uh one of the reasons was tim patrick uh ended up blowing out his knee last year august 2nd so it's almost exactly a year to the day we're two two days removed from a year to the day uh he left and um that offense was already a bit hampered. KJ Hamler uh, has been um, released. Uh, they said that uh, his injuries that he have are, are too great and he won't be able to recover. Uh, so he's uh, out indefinitely and uh, 
possibly not back. And uh, there's been a bit of controversy this week because Sean Payton came out and said, uh, worst coaching performance in the history of the NFL happened last year with Nathaniel Hackett. And uh, he was uh, sort of chastised for saying the truth and uh, being out there and, and sort of throwing the old coach under the bus. But uh, Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson, terrible year last year, uh, really brutal offense. And Sean Payton's coming in to try to fix this, but losing uh, these two guys, these two receivers is definitely not going to help. Not going to help at all. But at the same time, when Payton said what he said, he wasn't lying. <laughs> it's facts. It's yeah. facts, right? Like, it's like, no, he was brutal. And guess what? I'm, I'm better. I'm better. <laughs> But he does put on a lot of maybe unnecessary, um, uh, yeah, like un- unnecessary. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe um, focus attention, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. You know, yeah. yeah, like a lot of unnecessary attention on him yeah. because now he has to provide. He has to be better, and the and the Broncos have to be better. And it's going to be a lot harder to be better when two of your main weapons are going to be gone on offense. So, yeah, a lot of unnecessary attention. But at the same time, um, I fully expect Sean Payton to um, turn this team around. And I fully expect that the Broncos to be significantly better because Nathaniel Hackett is just that bad of a head coach. He's just that bad. Like, how is he a head coach? Man, nobody should ever give him another head coaching job. Like that that's how bad he was. Like nobody should you shouldn't you shouldn't roll the dice. You just, just be like, nah, man, we're just gonna go in a different direction, like away from you. Far yeah. away from you. Well, the funny thing is, uh another team has given Hackett a a, a job, and um this uh, this led to a funny situation here. So um yeah. I'm gonna hearken back to the Academy Awards and Chris Rock came out and decided to uh, be funny and uh, started taking some pot shots at some of the people in the audience. And then Will Smith decided to come up and slap him. And what what did he yell while he was in the audience to Chris Rock? Do you remember his words? Keep my wife's name out of your bleeping mouth. Right, exactly. Many, many times he said that, Chris. So so Aaron Rodgers decided to become Will Smith this week. And after he heard Sean Payton say this about his new offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, with the Jets, he said, tell Sean Payton to keep my coach's names out of their out of his mouth. <laughs> and uh so uh, it it made me think of that Will Smith rant and the big controversy that erupted there because uh, they use very similar words in their defense of their significant other. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's funny. It's it's quite funny. No. Um, and so and Hackett's the offense uh offensive coordinator, right? Yeah, uh, for the Jets. Yes, no. Yeah. Okay, so that's a step in the right direction. He's not a head coach. Okay, cool. Because like maybe that's what maybe that's what he that's all he could handle, just that. Well, and come on, but, like, well. but their offense was super brutal last year. Yeah, like, I know. Like, yeah that's true. Yeah, right? Like, I mean, yeah, maybe he could have been uh, the coach of the Water Boys or something, or you know, yeah. 
I mean, Jesus, I wouldn't have given him a shot. I don't know why the Jets did. Uh, maybe that has more to do with Aaron Rodgers than anything else because, like, those guys have worked together before and then maybe had a little bit of pull to say, no, nah, you know, like, I'd rather work with this individual or this gentleman here. No. Even though he was super brutal and I'm sure the Jets are like, oh, okay. this could be good or this could um, be really, 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 really bad. I guess – I guess uh, Rogers and Hackett had worked together before, so they had a previous uh, relationship. But but after that display with Hackett, I would have I would have sent him back to the college ranks and you know learn a little bit more before you come back because that was one of the yeah it was one of the worst. And Peyton wasn't wrong; he really shouldn't have just said it out publicly. But it was just so brutal to see Russell Wilson come over with this massive deal and Broncos were suddenly going to be, you know, a force to be reckoned with. And, uh, you know, it just couldn't have imploded and been just worse. It was just the ugliest thing we had ever seen. And one of the worst offenses in, in the football history of football. Yeah. Yeah. And then everybody was just like, well, that, that was the terrible deal to get Russell Wilson because he's terrible. Yeah. He's, he's absolutely terrible. Now that we're going into year two with the, with Sean Payton as your coach, and he's actually said we're going to be getting Russell out in space. He's going to be moving. We're, I mean, he's like, I'm going to try to get him back to being how he was, the old Russell Wilson, right? Yeah. So I, I'm curious to see how much of a difference it is from how it was for the Broncos last year to this year, because yeah. and you know all of that difference will be attributed to Sean Payton, and rightfully so. Um, I mentioned KJ Hamler getting um, Hamler getting uh, released. Um, they waived him because he has a heart ir- irritation. It's called peri pericarditis, and uh, so they said, um, uh, "Yeah, see you later, buddy." Uh, so you know, yeah, you know, we talked about Demar Hamlin with, you know, obviously a very big heart issue there. Um, they said, yeah, they've waived him. Uh, they're using this non-football illness designation, and uh, he's currently undergoing treatment. Not sure how that's going to play out, but uh, yeah, all the best to him recovering. But uh, NFL is a ruthless business. Um, you know, something's yeah. wrong with you like this. Uh, they usually just say, you know, see you later, and uh, maybe maybe you come back, maybe you don't. Yeah. And it's also to protect themselves because it's the last thing, last thing that anybody wants to see organizationally, players, anything, if somebody die on the field, yeah. right? Oh, and yeah. so they, they want to take that chance. And if he can somehow get right and then get back to them, I'm sure they'll gladly accept them, but they can't, they can't have, they can't take that chance. You just can't no. take that chance. Uh, now the training camps have got underway and are starting. Uh, we've seen a few holdouts. Uh, Nick Boza is holding out for the 49ers. He's trying to get a contract extension to become the highest paid defensive player of all time. He's the reigning NFL defensive player of the year. And uh, he did not attend training camp so far this week. Um, It sounds like uh, they think they'll be able to come up uh, together with a deal and we'll see the biggest contract in. NFL history for a defensive player. Yeah, yeah, you know what? He's kind of earned it. They kind of need him. It kind of the deal, the deal, that particular deal that needs to get done. And I'm sure that will get done sooner than later. Uh, they're probably not gonna 
have this hanging over their heads as an organization, they'll they'll get that deal done. For sure. Yeah, I, I believe they will. Yeah, it's it's going to come together, I'm sure. Um, another guy that's decided to hold out is Jonathan Taylor, running back for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, he has asked for a a trade and um yeah does not uh, want to report uh unfortunately they lost their second string running back today uh zach moss ended up suffering a broken arm and uh will miss about they think around six weeks uh so now they're down to their third string running back Dion jackson and then um we saw the owner of the Colts, Jim Ursay, take to the mic, get into a press scrum and say, you know what? If I die to tomorrow and Jonathan Taylor doesn't come back to the Indianapolis Colts, do you think anybody really cares? Uh, do you think anybody really even notices? And uh, so that has stirred up a whole bunch of uh, controversy and can of worms. Don't know why he said what he said. Um, Jonathan Taylor has been the best player with the Colts for the past few seasons. And uh, one of the reasons why you even really want to watch them. Uh, pretty crazy that he would say that. Uh, just basically calling his top running back irrelevant and nobody would really even care if he wasn't even there. So uh, I expect this relationship has become fractured and uh, probably a trade will have to be made. I think that fractured is putting it lightly. Like fractured is just putting it lightly. Like you, you basically said, uh, so our number one offensive weapon is irrelevant. Like you're irrelevant. Yeah. We don't need you. Oh, okay. All right. Well then, I guess it's a good thing that I am staying out because you're better off without me. Okay, go for it. <laughs> like if I'm him, I'm like, you just said you're better off without me. So just get me out of here. Yeah. Let me leave. So you can prove to me just how much better you are with your third string running back. Yeah. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was a blow that happened today after this statement. So that, uh, yeah, that really served him right for, throwing his top player under the bus like that and and, uh yeah down to their third string running back uh pretty brutal uh we mentioned last week running backs have been started to be uh the way of the dodo bird and most teams aren't aren't treating them very well aren't caring um we'll see what happens now with the colts down to their third string running back there are still some uh top free agent running backs out there uh dalvin cook is making the rounds and, uh, yeah, we're hearing rumors, but nobody signed him yet, amazingly enough. Uh, we're, are you surprised that he's not uh, under contract right now? Well, there's something to be said about, like, why the running backs are so pissed. Yeah. Because, like, <laughs> we're talking about Delvin Cook. He's still really good. Yeah. Sixth like, six, six in the NFL in rushing last year. So, you know. Like, like, like you, you do kind of have to throw up your hands and say, what is going on here? Yeah. That guy is super good. And so you're telling me no team could benefit from having him on the roster? And not None of the NFL teams would be better with having him on the roster. Yeah, that's a like complete and utter lie. Like I, that, that's a head scratcher for me. That doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't even make any sense. It really doesn't. No. It doesn't make any sense. 
Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott still out there. Uh, Melvin Gordon still out there. Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt, uh, all guys looking for jobs still. Um, also, the Raiders, Josh Jacobs has decided not to report. Uh, he has uh, yet to sign the um, designation. And uh, as a franchise player, said, no, nope, not doing that. Um, and Sony Michelle. He has walked away from the NFL at 28 years old, uh, had a five-year career, won two Super Bowls in his career, one with the Patriots, one with the Rams, and at 28 years old uh, is giving up on his NFL career. Um, this is going to be uh, happening a lot more as the, if it doesn't change the way it's been going. Uh, yeah, pretty tough to see a guy that first-round draft pick came into the Patriots, Helped them win that Super Bowl in his rookie year. Got six touchdowns in the playoffs on that run. Uh, was able to go to the Rams and and really help them. And um, yeah, is gone at twenty eight. That just seems way too young, right? It just seems so young just to call it quits. Um, sucks, but at least he maximized that career, my friend. With two Super Bowls, not bad. Not bad. Not bad. $11.5 million he uh, made in his NFL career, so hopefully he's been really smart with his money and, and has a great uh, uh, retirement and can find something to keep himself busy uh, in his uh, post-football career. Um, another injury, uh, Joe Burrow was hurt, uh, has a severe calf strain out several weeks. Uh, that's a little bit uh, lousy for the Bengals. Uh, Burrow has been one of those elite players and uh, has led Cincinnati to uh, heights we haven't seen in many years. And uh, hopefully he can come back uh, pretty soon before the season starts. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like I think they're just going to, they're going to obviously very much take their time with them um, and not rush him and whatsoever, because there's just no need. There's no need for him to rush back or anything. Take their time, make sure that that cash strain is fully healed up before he takes the field again. Um, speaking of the Bengals, Eli Apple has decided to leave Cincinnati and go to Miami to take over for the injured Jalen Ramsey. Uh, Jalen uh, injured his uh, knee and has to have surgery this week. So uh, Apple has decided to come in and step into his place. And um, yeah, we've seen, uh, yeah, we've seen a Achilles tendon. We've seen a broken arm. We've seen a blown out knee. Already, it's only been a few days into camp. Uh, that's why I guess that they do this pushing on to, uh, you know, the the uh, starters later on into the preseason. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's tough to know how best to handle it. But, uh, yeah, tough to see guys going down already uh, with some pretty severe injuries. And it, it, it's even tougher when it's non-contact. Yeah. Uh, which is what happened to uh, Patrick for the Broncos. It was a non-contact injury. And whenever it's a non-contact injury, that's when you know that this is a significant injury. Yeah. Because if you just fall down and you didn't get hit, that, that's bad. Very it's bad. bad. Um, loved seeing Bobby Wagner back in Seattle. Uh, great. Uh, he was part of that Legion of Boom that helped them uh, – win one Super Bowl and go to a second and be one of the elite defenses in the uh, NFL for many years. 
uh, tick off to the Rams for one year, comes back and now anchors uh, Seattle defense. Uh, Seattle's defense last year was one of the worst against the run. It'll be great to see if Bobby still got it and he can really, uh, you know, keep uh, fill a big hole for them and, uh, you know, try to get Seattle back to a, a pretty decent defense. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, He's going to help them in their defense and their defensive schemes because Bobby Wagner still got it going on. And uh, hopefully that Seattle can just ride the wave of what they were doing from last season and just continue to get better. Yeah, let's hope. Yeah. Uh, okay. And, and other football news, uh, north of the border, uh, Canadian Football League briefly just wanted to say Edmonton Elks have set the North American futility record for most losses in a row at home, 21 straight. No other sports franchise in North America has ever uh, had 21 straight home losses. Uh, they faced the BC Lions this weekend, and uh, BC shut them out 27 to nothing. Uh, second shutout of the year the Lions have had over the Eskimos. Uh, I looked into the stands, and it was pretty bleak. And uh, the few fans that were there were wearing bags over their heads. Uh, it has become really horrible in Edmonton. They are not uh, not a good team at all. And uh, there's for fe- foreseeable future, there doesn't look like they're going to be able to win. Uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, this week coming up, another loss, I would guarantee it. And uh, they decided to reach out to a former um, offensive coordinator, former quarterback for the BC Lions, Jarius Jackson will now be the offensive coordinator in Edmonton. Hopefully he can make a difference for them and they can uh, stop this losing streak. Uh, It's becoming ugly there for once very proud franchise in the Edmonton Eskimos. Now the Elks, the Elks have not won since they've been the Elks. They haven't won a a single home game and uh, it's, it's bad there. That's horrible. That's it's horrible. Like they're just, Unfortunately, I'm just I'm gonna have to say it the way it needs to be said: the trash, the garbage. They they're very, very bad. And also, too, that's a horrible name. Yeah, Edmonton Elks. Yeah, I, I'm so I'm I'm not a fan. Like I, I remember the first time I heard that, and I'm like, oh, it's it's awful. It's off. Maybe that's why they're doing so poorly. Yeah, because the name sucks. Change it again. Yeah. Yeah, like, I like you know, some reason, I think for some reason they wanted that double E the same, and so they're like, okay, what animals start with E? Uh, emus? No, no, not emus. Uh, e? I don't know. Elks? Okay, yeah, we got elks in Canada, sure, but um, yeah, it has not worked out, and it was most of the name changes that have happened in the couple years because of the indigenous stuff. Uh, haven't been good. I haven't. I don't like the Guardians. <laughs> I don't like. I don't like the Commanders. I don't like oh. the Oaks. Uh, these are uh, some pretty sad names that they've chosen to change them to. Yeah, man. It's would it, would the Edmonton Elephants be better? You know, like, may, maybe, maybe. Uh, but <laughs> but at least with at least you can say this with the Washington Commanders. Now that that new guy is in there, he changed the team name. Yeah, that ain't gonna be the team name anymore. I hope so. I, I I think I don't know if he's been on record for saying that, but if he wants to put a stamp on his own team and, and get rid of that bad taste of Dan Snyder, that awful, awful taste of Dan Snyder, change the team's name, move forward. Yeah. That's why. 
Um, okay, briefly uh, back to combat sports. Uh, Jake Paul, Nate Diaz this Saturday, Dallas, uh, American Airlines Arena. Uh, do you care? Or are you going to watch it? Oh, uh, you know, uh, probably not. Like, okay, I I'm just going to say this. I don't know if you heard the same thing, but I've heard rumors that Nate really hasn't been taking the training too seriously for this fight. All right, so. Right there for me goes, why might I want to watch it? Right. If you're not going to take it seriously. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like what, why, why are you not taking this seriously? It's going to be a huge payday for you. You're going to do, you're going to do great. But if you think that you don't have to train because this guy is not worth your time, it could be kind of embarrassing night for you. Yeah. And at the end of the day, because Paul can fight. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's too bad. Uh, you know, Paul's, I think Paul's the only guy that really has the knockout power. I don't see Diaz having the power anymore. And he's advanced age. He's, you know, definitely not got the same type of skill level. Um, you know, I think, yeah, this this is too bad. I was initially kind of intrigued a little bit because Paul has taken on guys that were, you know, retired, had been retired for a while. Um, Diaz is coming right off his contract and coming right into this, but um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's not great. Not great. If, if he's not putting in his full camp and, and taking it serious stuff. Uh, yeah. Why waste our time on it too? Exactly. Right. Like it's, 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 if, if you're not going to put in the full effort, then why should I give you my money? Yeah. Why should I give you my money? If you're not going to put in a full effort. Yeah. Exactly. Sorry. Yeah. Um, okay. I did want to say that, uh, uh, MLB is heating up big time. I'm watching the Blue Jays and Baltimore Orioles currently. Uh, they, uh, have their trade deadline tomorrow. There's been a huge amount of trades this past week over the weekend. Uh, the Jays were able to pick up a fireballer, uh, one of the, uh, one of the pitchers that can throw the ball faster than anybody on the planet. This guy is uh, routinely routinely throwing the ball over 100 miles an hour. Uh, he has a little bit of control issues, so uh, it's even scarier for batters when they come in and he doesn't even know where the ball is going. And if it's hitting me at 100 miles an hour in my noggin, I'm in big trouble. Um, so this guy, his name's Jordan Hicks. He came in for a couple of pitching prospects. He has uh, – they, they started keeping track of miles per hour and – how many pitches over a hundred miles per hour in 2008. So since 2008, all the Blue Jays pitchers have uh, had these stats kept for them over the entire history. Since 2008 to 2023, uh, there's been 108 pitches by the Blue Jays pitchers over hundred miles an hour, 108 combined for all the pitchers. This guy in his career so far, has thrown 1,583 pitches over 100 miles an hour. The whole entire Blue Jays staff, the last 15 years, 108 pitches over 100. 1,583 this guy's thrown over. So uh, I'm excited. I'm really looking forward to seeing this guy coming in and, uh, and striking out a lot of guys. Unfortunately, their closer, Jordan Romano, has been a little banged up, got put on the 10-day injured list. And uh, so this guy's coming in to help bolster the bullpen and uh, maybe help them on their 
run towards the playoffs, which they're currently in a wild card playoff position. So, but uh, can you believe those numbers? That, that that's that's ridiculous. Like that that just goes to show that he has exemplary consistency with his fastball, <laughs> and that every time he's throwing that thing, it's going a hundred plus. But again, like you just mentioned there, I'm a pattern, little bit of worry. Yeah. Because, like you said, you got a couple of control issues, so you don't. So you're just hoping it's like, hopefully that doesn't come high and up or close to my face, because that's gonna hurt if it yeah. ever. Oh man, brutal. Well, actually, uh, one of the Blue Jays pitchers hit a guy in the face on, I believe it was Saturday. I think Saturday, and uh-huh. uh, the guy has multiple facial fractures, has to undergo surgery. And uh, they think it's gone for the, the, the season. He's not going to be able to come back. And, um, yeah, multiple facial fractures. Uh, they said uh, his face was just brutal. Hamburger once he hit the hospital. That's scary, man. That, that's, that's It's so scary because it can be, hey, uh, your life is on the line. Yeah. Like you get hit with something that fast, it, it can put your life in jeopardy. I'm glad to see that, you know, like he's getting fixed up and, but still, that that is quite the injury. That is quite the injury. Super brutal. Yeah, really bad. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Canada was eliminated today uh, in the Women's World Cup. The host, uh, one of the host nations, Australia, was able to spank them four uh, nil today. Um, Canada uh, is bounced out. Uh, first time a Olympic champion comes into the World Cup gets knocked out so early. They're the highest ranked team to get knocked out. They were in the group called the group of death and uh, it, sh- it reared its ugly head for them. Uh, they really uh, were under the gun after they only tied Nigeria in that first match we talked about last week and uh, Nigeria was able to sneak in uh, past them because of their draw today against Ireland. Um, unfortunate to see Canada knocked out in the world cup just like the men were last year um they they just didn't seem to have it this year and and especially this game against australia uh, australia just really took it to them and and they had a lot of pressure on them because it was in front of their home country and hometown fans and so uh they just stepped it up against canada and knocked them out yeah unfortunate unfortunate sure the ladies give it their best but Sometimes you just don't have it. Yeah. Sometimes you just don't have it. And sometimes writing's on the wall. And especially with uh, how it ended with Nigeria, they were going to be under the gun. They had a ton of pressure to try to get it done for the next game. And unfortunately, they couldn't do that. I, I'm sad to see Christine Sinclair uh, finished her World Cup career. That was her sixth World Cup. And they only played every four years. So 24 years she's been playing World Cup soccer. Uh, she was used a bit sparingly in this tournament because she's in her 40s and and uh you know there was younger legs maybe that um, uh the coaching staff wanted to see out there but um what an incredible career one of the greatest uh soccer players of all time in the women's game uh definitely the best canadian we've ever had in the women's game and uh you know a girl from just right here in burnaby and uh you know was able to just um, do so much for canadian soccer rise it up to the ranks that you know they're number seven in the world right now that's an incredible accomplishment 
in in the world of soccer when every nation plays it. Uh, very cool to see, and uh, uh, you know, a, a little bit of an unfortunate ending, but um, you know, everybody's going to look very fondly on an incredible career. Yeah, she and, and she was super instrumental for Canada to even be ranked as high as they are. Oh yeah, super instrumental. Yeah. Um, and then she's going to be a future Hall of Famer. Um, she was. She gave us so much joy from all of her highlights and just how well she played the game. Um, I always found it just awesome just to watch her, watch these highlights, watch a score. Um, she'll be sorely missed. She'll be yeah. sorely missed. Yeah. Uh, we are we are uh, growing with our female fans and viewership, so I'm really happy to, to see that and hear that. And I want to cover a lot more women's sports uh, going forward, so – where you and I are going to have to spend a little more time, uh, you know, keeping on top of it. I do want to mention uh, the women's golf this past weekend was in France. It was um, the Evian Masters, which is one of the majors on the LPGA Tour. And our girl from Canada, Brooke Henderson, ended up taking second place. She cast a check for $585,000. And uh, second place, uh, very impressive. Uh, she was going after this championship. She had won it last year. She was the defending champion, uh, was beat by a French girl this time. Celine Boutier is her name. And uh, she won on home soil in front of the hometown crowd. Kind of blew the competition away, but great to see that Brooke ended up getting in second place. And I do want to mention in just uh, about a little over three weeks time, uh, the Canadian women are coming here for the Canadian Open. Uh, they're going to have it locally here. Uh, great, entertaining package i plan to be there uh for the tournament and uh it's great to see that they're bringing it locally here brooke will be here and uh, a lot of our great uh lpga talent will be here as well um it's gonna be fun oh it's gonna be great and the weather's supposed to be fantastic so it's gonna be a great event great event yeah. here yeah good uh that's no joke pretty nice paycheck for the weekend oh that's a great paycheck Great reward. Yeah. yeah for sure. uh, also in the world of golf, uh, we're just one week away from the playoffs. Uh, Lee Hodges won this past tournament, blew the competition away at this 3M Open. Uh, in the Seniors Open over in the UK, they had just incredibly brutal, brutal conditions. Uh, guys were just, just could not even get the ball to the hole when they were on the green. Their balls were uh, getting blown away. Uh, the scores were, uh, the winning score was plus five guys were shooting like plus 20 plus 30. Uh, there was scores in the, in the mid to high seventies on among the leaders. Uh, some of the guys that made the cut were shooting in the high eighties. Uh, we almost saw nineties, uh, which is just unheard of in professional golf. It looked brutal out there. Uh, it ended up going to a playoff, uh, Alex Cheka. One over Padraig Harrington in the second playoff hole. But, uh, man, it was brutal. Most guys should never play golf in that. I don't think most guys ever have. It was incredibly crazy. And the scores were just outrageous. But uh, fun to kind of watch guys struggle that are that good at golf. Yeah. It, it's it's a weather sometimes, man. That that And especially for um, the sport of golf, it can just it makes it so tough. I I don't know if is that has that ever happened before where you saw scores that high like on on any level 
on any level. It doesn't have to be seen. I actually, I, don't, I, don't, I actually don't think so. Not on a not a professional term. I don't think I saw scores that way. I I, I saw a guy get eighty eight. One guy got eighty nine. Uh, -huh. uh, there was. Yeah, there was like usually these guys are getting in the sixties, sixties and seventies. Uh, I've never seen guys approach ninety. It was uh, yeah, just insane out there. I guess just uh, bl wind blowing off the water, rain, just uh, the worst thing that you could ever imagine playing. And it was just it's it was it was wild. I I was I I just had to watch it. It was like watching a car wreck. It's kind of cool for me because it's like, so that's what has to happen for these guys to shoot what I would shoot. Yeah. That's what has to happen for them. Exactly. All right, that's cool. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, I just want to mention that F1 season has hit their summer break, uh, four weeks off for their summer break. Uh, they were over in Belgium this, this weekend, and uh, same old, same old, Max Verstappen, eighth win in a row, 13th win in a row for the Red Bull team. Uh, his teammate, Sergio Perez, was second. Uh, this team has just separated themselves from the field. Max was actually starting sixth because he got a uh, five-place uh, five penalty, uh, and uh, he still blew the field away, winning by about 25 seconds again. And um, the, I'm sure the rest of the teams during this four-week break are going to be trying to figure out what the heck they're going to try to do to uh, face against Red Bull. Uh, this is, I'm not sure if it's good for the sport or bad for the sport for one team to just be so much head and shoulders above the rest of the competition. It hasn't even been close this year at all. And, and uh, I don't know how they're going to catch up. I just really don't. Yeah. Because, you know, like another, they had an opportunity to beat them this time, especially with Verstappen getting penalized as badly as he did. And it didn't matter. And it didn't matter. For me, if I'm anybody else, not a part of his team, I'd be I'd be incredibly frustrated and terrified. Yeah. Because it's like this was our chance to beat these guys, and we still couldn't do it. Yeah. It's uh it's insane. Totally crazy. So yeah, we'll see. Uh in, in a little over a month's time, we'll see what, what they put together and that how it works. Uh world of NBA, the uh NBA commissioner put out a statement that said uh damian lillard if he gets traded to any team he uh will uh give his best performance or will face significant suspensions and sanctioning um i guess him and him through his agent has said that um don't bother anybody else trying to get lillard he only is gonna play in miami he will not play for you, uh, will not give you any kind of effort if you trade for him. And the NBA has stamped that and said, no, uh, no, you don't get to say that. You don't get to be like that. If he's playing, he has to give his full effort or there'll be some significant suspension. But we've seen this happen before. You know, when all of this stuff is happening with Lillard and everything else, and I'm like, why are they like I, I do have a question like why are they coming down so hard on him when this has happened so many times already no. so many times shoot we've seen James Harden wear a fat suit right right and then I I didn't, I didn't hear anybody saying nothing about that they just say oh no he's just fat so you know that's how it goes <laughs> um so I I'm, I'm I'm curious like do is there gonna be kind of a change from the NBA 
where they're going to start trying to stamp this stuff out. Because this is ha- this is not like this hasn't happened before. Oh, no, many other players. Yeah, Harden's asked yeah, out of three teams. Yeah. yeah. Harden's so, asked so, out of three different organizations. Exactly. So I, I'm I'm looking at it and I'm thinking maybe maybe they want to do like a like a like a change in policy when it comes to stuff like this. So that guys guys can't force their way to the team that they want to go to. Yeah. And maybe that and maybe that's what the NBA is gonna to now to start. Uh, cracking down on because you know this is going to happen again and yeah. so when it does happen again i then i expect the nba to just come out very aggressively against that person that did this because if if lillard's to start then i expect this to continue on yeah and because if it's a one-off then there's a problem there's yeah. a freaking yeah. major problem yeah so well it's funny you mentioned james harden big rumors that he's going to the la clippers uh i guess he's trying to uh, get together with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard if they can stay healthy and try to get another uh, trio together. Uh, I don't see this as a good fit. I don't know why. Uh, uh, maybe just like, you know, wants to be in LA and uh, Lakers won't have them, but uh, kind of bizarre. Yeah. I don't see, I don't see it as a good fit. I don't see it as a good fit. And then also too, the Clippers aren't going to offer too much for him either because it's, it's his stock has slowly eroded. And I think it's eroded because of the fact that he's been forcing himself out of places all the time. Mm-hmm. So, like, even if he goes to the Clippers, how long is it going to be till he goes, ah, I don't like this. I think I want out. Get me out of here, yeah. Where's yeah. that fat suit again? Where yeah. did I leave that? <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay, the last, last note of the podcast uh, announcement was made today. Manchester United has renewed their deal with Adidas. They have signed on the dotted line for 10 more years, and it's over $10 billion worth uh, coming their way uh, for the lifetime of this contract. Um, If you ever have kids, get them into soccer. If you have nephews, if you have have, uh, buddies with kids, uh, start playing soccer. Give them soccer ball. Give them cleats for their birthdays. Uh, soccer is where the money is at. Uh, we talked about Messi, Ronaldo, Mbappe. Now we're talking, man, you getting $10 billion the next 10 years. Uh, there's crazy money in the world of soccer. It's, a, it's disgusting. It's disgusting money. Because like <laughs> a team that's not even part of like, like the best uh, organizations for soccer just offered a dude, Mbappe, Oh, they literally $1.1 billion to play for them for one year. What like one year? He would have got like 784 million or something like that just for one year. And then they guarantee he's like, then you can go back. Just go back to the team you were just previously on. I and like that just tells me everything I need to know. That tells me everything I need to know on how much money is in that sport. A ton. How many kids do you know that you're gonna be buying soccer gear for? Every one of them, all of them. <laughs> nice. And if if it's not soccer, it's going to be baseball because then it's that. Then at least for them, it's like, oh, you play that for 16, 17 years. You'd be like John Cruck, not look like an athlete whatsoever. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Okay, man. Well, this was fun. It was great uh, as always. Uh, uh, it was nice to get together with you over the weekend, and uh, yeah, hopefully, I get to see you soon. 
uh, keep in touch this week and uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll keep in touch and uh, hopefully try to get together with Steph before he takes off and goes to Mexico and lives his happy life. Yes. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Buddy. All, right. all right. All the best. Bye for now. Bye for now. Okay. Great. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, Steph is uh, leaving soon, unfortunately. So we uh, we need to get together. But um, great to see Jason over the weekend. Uh, great to get, get together and watch some uh, great boxing action, great UFC action. And, um, yeah, uh, fantastic, uh, fantastic boxing fight. Amazing UFC card. Uh, yeah, you know, we're, we're lucky we uh, both love these sports and uh, get an opportunity to see them live and uh yeah you know there, i saw I, I, I saw a commercial um uh on the jays broadcast yesterday and it was about getting together with your buds and um uh, they asked a few guys uh or they showed some pictures of, to some guys and said uh, when's the last time you got together with your with your buddy your best friend there and most of them were like oh they're rocking their brain like uh been a while and then they surprised them the guy showed up and uh they sat down had a beer together and um they said you know too many men i think the, the stat was seven out of ten men uh lose contact with their best friends and don't get to see them very much anymore and um yeah it's becoming quite the epidemic and something not very good and uh, obviously with the pandemic that made things a lot worse but um yeah it's great i saw stefan on Friday had a couple of drinks and some uh, lunch and hung out, which was super fun. And then get to see Jason. Yes. Uh, on Saturday, that was um, another fun evening. And uh, yeah, I recommend it. Uh, call your best friend today. If you're listening to this call, call the people, you know, get together with them. Uh, it's, it's nice to be social and have some laughs and tell some stories and yeah, just, just interact and have some fun with your friends. So uh, on that note, I want to say thanks to uh, everybody that worked so hard, put thing everything together for us. Um, we're growing leaps and bounds. Love the subscribers, followers on Instagram, all the things that are doing that we're doing. Uh, you're loving, so thanks so much for all your support. I want to thank our um, partners and sponsors as well. Uh, Anchor.fm, easiest place to make a podcast. Phenomenal at posting on multiple podcast platforms for us. So thank you to them. Uh, Verbero, the hockey equipment and apparel company, an industry leader in technology, performance, and value. The V350 stick is uh, is a must-have, and uh, you should purchase it through our website. Uh, going to um, Pampas and Possibilities, uh, designers of West Coast beautiful things for your home. Call them up. They'll be able to come to your house and uh, spruce it up, make it look great. And of course, uh, last but not least, Forever Living, the Aloe Vera Company for health and beauty products. Um, uh, really great products. Uh, you can buy them at discounted rates on our website. So please do so. Anyway, uh, yeah, hopefully the Jays make some moves. Uh, unfortunately, they're losing 4-1 in the uh, middle of the eighth inning here against Baltimore, trying to chase them down for the AL East lead. And solidify them their spot if they can't catch them solidify their spot in a wild card position but um yeah let's hope they make a couple of really big moves and bring in some talent because a lot of the other competitors around them will be doing so so and i uh, hope you have a great week forward uh thanks so much for tuning in as always appreciate your support love you lots take care of yourself and uh, we'll talk to you soon bye for now